Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Ryan Burkhart, Director of Investor Relations, and I want to welcome you to Datto's inaugural Investor Day. We are very excited to be here at the New York Stock Exchange today, and I want to thank all of you in the room for coming in person, and I want to thank all of you on the webcast for taking the time to watch today. We've got a terrific agenda planned for you today, including presentations from senior management, a fireside chat with two of our key MSP partners, and, of course, time for Q&A. Here's our lineup of presenters for today. As you can see, it's a, it's a large group of management, so you're going to get a nice, broad perspective on Datto today. Our CEO, Tim Weller, will kick things off in just a minute. Before that, a couple of logistical notes for the day. Uh, first, for people here in the room, we'd ask that you please wear a mask. Uh, we have a couple of folks in the room who are of elevated health risk, so we appreciate your cooperation on this front. Second, I mentioned that we have two Q&A sessions today. Uh, for those in the room, please, please hold your questions until the Q&A sessions. Uh, for those of you on the webcast, there's a Q&A field on the right-hand side of your screen. Feel free to submit questions there anytime during the presentation. We'll compile them and then get to as many of them as we can uh, during the Q&A sessions. And finally, here's our safe harbor statement, and I encourage all of you to read it thoroughly. Uh, and now, before we begin and hear from our CEO, Tim Weller, we're going to start with a short video. So we're cloud-based, plus we have this backup server. It still was connected. Having disaster recovery and set up to where the world crashes is a big deal, and our IT service provider really pulled through on that. 
Good morning. Welcome to uh, Datto's first uh, Investor Day. It's great to uh, see some, some folks here live. Welcome to the uh, global audience on, uh, on, on the virtual live webcast. Just over a year ago, we were in this building to go public, hence our, our inaugural day. Uh, two nights ago, we had about 60 of our top partners in this very room for a dinner following a, a full-day event with them. And uh, I was able to share the story of the IPO with them. Um, for all of us, it's uh, sort of an everyday occurrence, uh, you know, in the financial world. Uh, for me, this is my third time being public. I was a sell-side analyst. But for the MSPs that had come from around the country, uh, so many of them said to me it was a bucket list experience just to be here at the historic exchange. And uh, I remember calling our founder and asking him if he wanted to ring the bell with me. Um, and, uh, you know, suddenly the weight of ringing the bell with 18, on behalf of 18,000 MSPs around the world and 2,000 employees, uh, you know, really kind of overcame me with emotion. Uh, I told him the, the ticker symbol was not going to be DTTO, but MSP, uh, which caused him to basically bounce through off the ceiling. He was so happy. And, uh, and then he asked me, where do I buy a suit? So um, it, was, uh, it was quite a special thing. And, and today is about the future. You know, I, I know that's people's primary interest, but I thought I'd take just a few minutes and talk about what the last year has uh, has been like, and uh, both for us and and for our partners, but but mostly for us, just because a few people are new. So, what's happened in the first year since our IPO? Strong operating results, five consecutive quarters of beating and raising numbers. We've accelerated ARR growth overall, and we've accelerated ARR in our core continuity line. We've extended our continuity line into Azure public workloads. We've also accelerated ARR in our very high growth SaaS and RMM platforms. And we're going to have some comments on every product today. We launched a new security product on top of each of SaaS and RMM, Datto SaaS Defense and Ransomware Detection. And we grew our MSP partner base by over 1,000 partners, with the current annual run rate of ads being even higher. So it's been a terrific first year. The financial metrics are breaking records. But the headline, the headline that is going to be the answer to probably the biggest question you all ask us on a regular basis. And I'll just give you the answer right up front. Datto's on a path to 20% sustainable growth. We believe on that journey we'll exceed a billion dollars of revenue in 2024 and we'll maintain great unit economics all the way. But it's the headline, Return to 20% Sustainable Growth, that is the centerpiece of the next few hours together. And we're going to give you four perspectives on that sustainable growth. I'll begin with an overview on those four perspectives, and I'll do a little bit of a drill down on the market view. The market view, Datto is the largest pure play serving the large and fast-growing MSP industry. And we're going to have a product view show how our portfolio built around securing digital assets of our MSP's SMB clients also supports a 20% growth perspective. Our CTO, Bob, will be here to talk about technology points of differentiation, and our CISO, Ryan, will talk about the years-long investments we've made in internal security and how that's benefiting us now as we roll out more security products in our roadmap. We'll give you a channel view. Our business model has multiple vectors of growth. We've built long-growing and, lo long and large cohorts. We currently have 115% 
net dollar base revenue retention. Our CRO, Sanjay, is going to be up to talk about these levers, the go-to-market machine, and why we win. And then our chief customer officer, Chris, will be here to interview a couple of those MSP partners, get their perspective, and be able to take some questions. And finally, we're going to have a geographic view. Only 30% of today's revenue is outside the U.S. It's an incredible white space for us. And Sanjay will touch on this uh, a little bit as well. After we share those four perspectives, we're going to have a Q&A panel, number one, to take your questions. Bob Sanjay will be joined by our chief product officer, Radesh, and we'll field questions from the live audience as well as the, uh, uh, the virtual one. Finally, while growth is our top priority, we also have a very profitable business model with great underlying unit economics. We're a rule of 40-plus company today and expect to be in the near term, but we have a vision about evolving to a rule of 50 company over time, and the business model economics support that. Our CFO, John, will close us up today, talk about financials, and then we'll wrap with a Q&A panel number two, and he'll be joined by Nat, our SVP of Finance, who many of you uh, I'm sure know. So let's talk about the market view. I'll do this in two pieces. I'll talk about the MSP market itself, and then I'll talk about Datto's leading position within that market. The MSP market is massive and fast growing. I think most of you know that, but for people that are new, I wanted to do just two minutes on what is a managed service provider, or MSP for short. These are providers of outsourced IT to small, medium businesses. These are your experts. If you're at an investment bank, or a large mutual fund complex, you have internal IT. One phone call, one email does it all. If you're a smaller hedge fund, you probably already have an MSP. They might do the service desk, they might do everything. MSPs typically manage all mission-critical IT services for a client, and they work across all verticals. They're not resellers, they're true managers. Technology has become very, very complex for all of us, even in your house. Large enterprises have known this for 20 years. SMBs need virtually everything that enterprises need. They're getting demands from their customers, regulators, investors, you name it. They want to digitally transform just like the rest of the world. But how do you do that as an SMB? How do you pull together that complex puzzle pieces? And the answer is MSPs. The MSP does your technology strategy for you. They do your purchasing, procurement. They operate applications, they op operate services, they are your help desk up and down the stack. When you find, find the right one, you stay with them for a decade, two decades. Each of these four areas speaks to how Datto helps MSPs with technology, and it speaks to our long-term relationships. They want long-term relationships with their clients, and we try to match that on our side. So let's put some numbers on that. I'll start with the $1.3 trillion of global SMB tech spend. We scope it down to MSP managed spend of about $193 billion. They've taken about 15% of the industry under their wing now. 132,000 MSPs, and this piece of the market's been growing three times as fast as the $1.3 trillion. MSPs are eating into that as complexity really drives that. We scope it down further for our geos and products to get $36 billion for our immediate TAM, growing about 17%. We're picking very carefully where we go, including new countries and products we're likely to add. Our overall TAM within that may be growing at 20% plus per year. 
And if you think about it, mature MSPs are also starting to work up market in the medium-sized enterprise, government, and education. Often goes by the name co-managed IT, work with the IT department. This could even expand our TAM farther. So it's the first company where I've given almost no thought on a daily basis to TAM. It's truly an incredibly large ocean that we're swimming in. So what's driving all this demand for MSPs? First is digital transformation. They've automated their processes. Now they want to move their interactions to customers with customers and suppliers online and to mobile. Normal enterprises did a decade ago, small, medium business doing it now. This leaves the value of the firm increasingly in digital assets, applications, and data. Second, there's a shift to cloud going on. SMBs have moved more slowly than enterprise, but they're moving nonetheless in starts. Applications used to sit in one place. Now they can be increasingly spread over the globe. Integrating these in some way, particularly if you're hybrid, is going to be a very complex activity. Remote work. I used to have one device. Now I have eight. I'm embarrassed to say I had six on my desk the other day when I was counting them on a Zoom call for people. And I want to work anywhere and anytime. It's just table stakes. Turns out so do small, medium businesses now. Tech labor shortage. This is not a new one. Ever tried to hire a tech for your enterprise? Ever tried to hire a tech for your flower shop? Very different. SMBs have no shot at keeping up here. I think we can kind of settle that matter up front. And tech talent is not looking to join a small, medium business. And last but certainly not least, cyber attacks are growing exponentially. When you combine those first four trends, the attack surfaces are simply exploding inside. You used to be able to stare at your IT environment. It's now who the heck knows where. And cyber attackers are making the best of it. All five of these trends have been building for over a decade. The last three have gone to a whole new level in the pandemic. But it's that last one that's driving the most urgent demand for MSPs right now. MSPs find themselves suddenly in the security business. Two-thirds of companies are reporting hiring shortages that leave them exposed on the security front. McKinsey says SMB InfoSec is $40 billion and poised to explode from here. It's not well served by traditional enterprise vendors, which gives an incredible opportunity for MSPs and for data. And that'll be a big theme today. So why is security now suddenly at the top of everyone's mind? We've been doing securing digital assets since inception. And I think there's a few reasons for this I'll walk through. I talked about the digital transformation. Once you start shifting more of your value into digital assets, for all the good reasons we know, restaurant delivery, law firms, online, docu-signing, once you go digital, you can't go back. It makes you more efficient, but it concentrates your risk. Once you're digital, you need to guard those digital assets very, very carefully. Price of ransomware has gone up. Those could be erased. They could be published on the Internet. You could lose trade secrets. They could be held, unfortunately, for ransomware. So it's a concentrated risk game that we've been forced into. Those digital assets, every device, every cloud, are now globally connected. The Internet connects us all easy for attackers to access your digital assets. There's no more air gapping, no more sneaker net, as we used to call it in our days. Everything is online. Put that together with the value of your company in digital assets. And now, Shazam, rise of crypto. The attackers 
have a business model. Ransomware is a low-risk, anonymous crime. When I started in software, a hacker meant like going in, having some fun, leaving a little message that said, ha-ha, um, now I can get a half a million dollars. This is a good thing if I'm a hacker. Ransomware is low risk. A hacker 8,000 miles away can be attacking a hospital, and they see it as a victimless crime. In fact, it's sort of like a video game where you get paid. And this is compounding this. We're not the only company telling you this. Security for MSPs and data has strong implications. And what are those? Well, first, MSPs, like many others, will consolidate their vendor stacks a bit. And vendor security will be the number one selection attribute. Price doesn't matter as much when you're afraid of your technology getting weaponized or your data getting breached. Secondly, on the other side of the coin, security presents an incredible opportunity for MSPs. They need to go protect those clients, secure their digital assets. When they do that, they should get paid. And we are strongly encouraging them in recent years to ask for more and ask for more. Better protection, charge them more. Top heart surgeon, charge us top dollars. You give them a great outcome, you should get paid. These are both very consistent with Datto's years-long investment in security. And our CISO is going to be up in a bit to describe the approach, which we call inside out. It's our concentric rings approach. Put your own oxygen mask on first. This is Datto investing in the center ring to secure Datto. Ryan uh, got here just over five years ago, and we've been investing heavily here ever since. The second ring is help your partners. Still not charging any money yet. Help your partners. He's on the phone with people. We do all kinds of things. For example, I learned a couple weeks ago that we do dark web scanning for all MSPs, not our own. We don't charge for that. He just wants to protect MSPs in general, and he's regularly reaching out to them with any kind of security and consistencies. Only in recent times now have we started to label certain products of ours as security products in concentric ring number three, which is helping the MSPs protect their clients. It's always been there inside. The trust in part comes from that scalability, reliability, and security. Now we're sort of more on offense and helping partners to get paid while they do this. So that's the three rings model that you'll hear more about. The MSP market is a massive opportunity. Datto is the leading pure play within that. So let me pivot and ask what explains our leadership. Reason number one is MSPs are infused into our culture. This was baked over a decade ago by our founder. Employees meet an MSP on their first day in Datto University. And I thought I'd share our guiding principles with you to give you a little sense of this culture. We're always MSP. We never sell direct. We never compete with our partners. It's the first company I've ever been at with no channel conflict. It's a major advantage for us versus our competitors, even those that say they're MSP-focused companies. If you look hard enough on their homepage, there's a button that says click here if you're an IT manager or an IT department. Maybe we can work a deal. We don't do it. Secondly, definable technology advantage. We invest here. We relish and welcome technology bake-offs. We're a premium creator of tech, and our MSP partners push us to be better. We lose the bake-off, we're right back into the lab working on software but we win a lot. And selling the best tech is how our MSPs build those years-long relationships with their clients and keep them happy. And that's how they build the relationship with us. Third is great margin opportunity. This is a nuance that takes a long time to understand about our business. We design our pricing working backwards from what MSPs charge in the market so that we give them headroom. We never publish what would be wholesale prices to them. If an SMB client can get a vendor quote 
or worse, see your prices online, which is so often the case, then the MSP's margin gets squeezed down. It's harder for them to make money like they did 20 years ago on laptops, on servers, on Microsoft Office, right? They have to make money on their value add. And if a vendor like Datto can come along and give them that price umbrella and give them the margin, it's a beautiful thing. We can be a bigger percentage of their wallet share from the client in margin terms. And so we spend a lot of time focusing on this. Save MSPs time. They're busy. They can't find tech talent easily either. All of our solutions are turnkey, fully supported. We don't ship them things that need to be built. As I say, an IKEA furniture costs me negative $1,000, um, right? Very different perspective if you're in college. MSPs need turnkey. They're time starved. A simple example is file and folder backup. We hear that a lot. Versus data continuity, file and folder backup sometimes looks cheaper on the label, but that's if you don't factor in all of your time and you don't factor in the risk of disaster. So we're saving them time as well as increasing their reliability continuously. And lastly, we play the long game. I'll give you one simple example that stuck in my mind. On April 1st of last year, 2020, you know, nobody knows the world's going upside down, right side up. What's happening, right? We're all just trying to figure out if our families are safe. Early pandemic. Competitors went out immediately in most cases. The world's ending, the economy's crashing. By right now, we're running 50% off sale. Thinking about that April number, right? Data went out, said, serve your clients. Ask about their families. How are you doing? We know you're spending nights and weekends getting all of your clients onto this thing called Zoom that nobody's ever heard of. We know you're struggling right now. How can we help? Didn't care about the April and the May number, right? Postponed our IPO, in fact. Right thing to do. We play the long game. You can't dip in and out of this channel. Lots of vendors come and go and come and go. And the MSPs have elephants' memories. So that's all a long summary of reason one. Reason two is we build deep MSP relationships, brick by brick, over time. Datto's not an MSP. We're a technology provider for MSPs, an arms dealer, if you like. We call them partners, not customers. This picture shows how it works. At the top are Datto solutions. They go from Datto to MSPs and are sold through by them to the SMB clients. The recurring revenue flows from the SMB back to the MSP and MSP back to Datto. Our contract is with the MSP. They are free to package, bundle, and price our solutions how they like. We give them an integrated management platform to help them, and we'll talk more about that. And they certainly have other services that are not Datto that they also may bundle in, might be part of a base. They might have good, better, best stacks. They all do it a little bit differently based on their particular market. But we're agnostic to that. And again, we don't put the price on anything. So we are just a supplier to them in that long-term relationship. Reason number three, we hone in on MSP pain points. Relentless focus. We see the world through their eyes. Revenue growth is their number one pain point. Often, this is me in high school, the geek. I start an MSP and uh, hmm, sales drive revenue, what's that? Our technology helps them drive the revenue. They wanna sell the best. We go way beyond that though and we invest in selling and marketing with them. We're side by side. We run hundreds of live and virtual events. We have hundreds of pieces of digital content on ransomware and all the kinds of issues of the day. We give them an email platform if they like. We have a CRM platform. We're selling with them all around the world. In fact, right while we're here, there's probably a couple events going on. 
I mentioned the one the other night. That's typical data. Help them drive the revenue. Their second pain point I already alluded to, margin. Well, I got revenue, but I'm getting 5% margin and everything. I talked about some of the things we do. The integrated platform we provide makes it easier for them to sell product two, three, and four. So it's a bundled kind of situation. They can stretch margin. We operate a data cloud, private cloud, at exabyte scale, which removes their need to do private clouds, removes their need to pay AWS, Azure, other sorts of ongoing fees. Everything's all in, all-inclusive pricing. The fact that we don't publish the prices gives them that headroom I talked about. Simple example, Microsoft announced a while back that in Q1 they're going to a 20 to 25% price increase on Microsoft 365. If you've got a two-year, three-year contract with your client and you're an MSP, that's like somebody reaching into your pocket and taking margin from you. You're already fixed on the other side of that relationship. This week, Microsoft said they're going to add an additional 20% kicker on month-to-month if you don't sign a one-year. I'll let you go on to social media and see how MSPs reacted. Right? It's just a different sort of mental model. We call that impedance matching. You have to kind of be with them. doesn't mean you can't raise price, but mentally when you do or when you, you know, sort of make those moves, you need to do it in conjunction with the partners. It's always about the margin. And lastly, efficiency. I talked about the turnkey solution. We work at every step to do easy to do business with, Auto, automate workflows. We do trainings. We do certifications. Anything we can do to allow them to run a larger business with fewer people, all about their efficiency. So that's the market view. It's an enormous MSP market, more relevant. I think our TAM of 36 billion is more than enough for us right now, but it's growing 17%. And I said, we always seek to extend, extend that with new market and product lines. So arguably it could be growing over 20%. And I hope this gives you perspective one, some context on how we can grow 20% plus as the market leader in this great market. The product view, I'll hit this very quickly. Our CTO, Bob's going to be here. I'm just going to do a flyby. He'll give you the details. We look at our product portfolio in the NIST cybersecurity framework. Very popular, very standard. You see continuity and SaaS protection there in the recover phase. RMM and identify and protect. And our newest two services, ransomware detection for RMM and SaaS defense, filling in protect, detect, and respond. And you're going to see quite a bit more across this stack, particularly in those front lines of defense. MSPs report that 64% of ransomware attacks, two-thirds, come through M365. That's where the users are. RMM controls all the endpoints in an MSP's client universe. We think these two first forays, SAS defense and ransomware detection, may cover the vast majority of attack surfaces for MSPs with their SMB clients. But we're certainly not stopping there. We're going to do quite a bit more. I have not shown PSA and networking, not because they're not security and partnering perspective, that cut across all of these. And we'll have uh, a little bit more to say about those shortly. So now I'm going to show you two new slides, kind of peel back the onion a bit, and we're going to provide some financial breakdowns as well for the first time. We have two primary unit drivers of growth at the SMB level. Remember that 193 billion and our relevant 36 billion. First is application workloads. These drive continuity and RMM for all those virtual machines and servers. Second is employees of SMBs, new lawyer joining a law firm who's a client of a data MSP. That's a user. They need SaaS protection and defense. They're going to get a PC. That's an RMM endpoint and so on and so on. 
two other drivers that are not shown as MSP employees, which are seats for our PSA business management tool, and SMB locations, which drives networking subscriptions. But these are the big two. And I'm excited to share with you today some new detail on our product growth. Again, it's another perspective on that 20%. First up, continuity. This is our strong core. It's over half our revenue. Mid-teens revenue growth at scale. Been steady for two years, right through the pandemic, in fact. Took a little hit last summer on bookings, but revenue growth steady mid-teens. We've actually accelerated new bookings year-to-date in this area. Security continuity as recovery in that niche framework. We've mentioned that on a couple calls. And we've launched Azure, which is a, a terrific future accelerant. And there's some other things we have cooking up as well. Secondly, PSA and other. Mid-teens revenue growth again. In the case of this category, it's actually accelerated versus the previous year. And there's a number of future accelerants that are possible here. Networking, commerce, both growing above 30%. So this is sort of a minor core in a way, plus all of our ventures. And last, but certainly not least, our user and endpoint security platforms. Application security for users on our SaaS protection base and endpoint security on our RMM base. We believe MSPs today target over 60 million users, and those users have multiple endpoints. We think this number could rapidly be a few hundred million. The market is simply on fire. And these are the two leading vessels for all that front line of defense security that we talked about. Their security products in and of themselves, SAS protection and RMM, and now we're going to start to pile up the attachments on those. Okay. The user security and endpoint security elements in our business are now over 20% of revenue and they're growing over 40% and accelerating. Grew more this year than they did last year. So it's a very good story. And here's an illustrative picture of how growth might evolve then when you put these pieces together and diversify. Strong core and continuity, solid PSA plus other fast-growing ventures, and increasing new products, organic or inorganic, that we can move through our trusted global MSP distribution network. So that's the product side. View number three is channel leverage. Our MSP-centric business model unlocks the SMB technology market for us and produces enterprise-grade SaaS metrics. John's going to drill down a bit on some of the metrics. Sanjay will walk you through this in detail. But in the upper left is leverage, sales leverage. One data rep can go to dozens, if not 50-plus MSPs in coverage. Those MSPs can have 20, 50, 100 or more clients, and you can see the instant leverage we get on the sales account coverage side. In the upper right quadrant is our land and expand model. We focus on landing the MSP, and from there it's enablement of the MSP to do the selling, do the work. They go on to get clients, existing and new, add more products at the client, drive features, drive ARR per unit. And I talked about land and expand model. In the lower left, we get churn protection. This is the model working in reverse. If an MSP loses that SMB, they're highly motivated to replace that revenue. This is their business. Back up and running and get on and on and on. We have demonstrated churn metrics that are at least several hundred basis points better over time 
than organic SMB industry churn. How, and John's going to give you some of the numbers on what that looks like. But terrific gross revenue retention, for example, for measured against you know, SMB businesses. And then last, and certainly not least, is the support side. The MSPs have the relationship, and they do the primary support with the SMB clients. We're not taking SMB calls. MSPs call us for tech support when there's issues with our subscriptions, but we're training them, constantly certifying their techs, and it makes us very, very efficient on the support side as well. So on the front end and the back end of the partner-facing relationships, it's uh, a model that works. Publicly, we report two headline metrics, MSP counts and ARR per MSP. 18,200 in the last quarter MSPs at an average of $34,000 MSP, MSP um, per on the ARR side. These are constituent components of our overall ARR of $627 million. But today, we're going to take you a little bit under the hood, peel back the many vectors of growth in that ARR. I think it will help, help understand the model a bit better. We start by landing the new MSPs. MSPs sell data products into their existing SMB clients and new SMB clients. Those clients eventually take additional products, and the products themselves are consumption-based, which drives unit growth. New features like ransomware detection and SAS defense come along and drive increased dollars per unit. And all of these vectors combined really gives you a, a, an uncapped model of sorts and very diversified growth. It explains how we've built these large and long-growing cohorts. And I'm going to give you one more new slide that we've never shown before. Let me get you oriented here. It's a summary of the cohorts. The green dot in the middle is that $34,000 average. The class of 2021, those MSPs that have joined Datto for the first time this year, are averaging 8K of ARR. We've always talked about how we start small with a typical MSP and build over many, many years. The class from four years ago, four times as high at 32,000. It's like a university. How are the givers after they've left for four years? Um, how about eight years ago? Almost 10 times as high. These cohorts are literally uncapped. The 10-year-old or more cohorts are still growing. And we've reported 1,300 MSPs over $100,000 of ARR. And if this picture you can kind of see, it doesn't look like any of these cohorts is stopping at 100. Just keep going up. This is the purest picture, I think, of why our growth has proven so durable. I joined the company four and a half years ago. They showed me the same picture, obviously with 17 as the, as the freshman class, and the pictures look the same ever since. I thought it was a PowerPoint that they just clipped on. These are the actual numbers. This is how the cohorts perform. And it's a testament to how strong the MSP market has been and a testament, I think, to our ability to stay on the leading edge of it. Geographic perspective. This is the fourth and last perspective for me. The bulk of the international opportunity for data is in our future. The U.S. today is 70% of revenue. As I mentioned, it's growing a very robust 17%. This is not a case of, you know, core market leaving you going to the new. The U.S. has done well. In fact, it's picked up a little bit even. International is the other 30%. That's growing even faster, of course, 32%. We have incredible white space here. It's the same technology everywhere. It's the MSP model everywhere. We're continuing to ramp up investment 
in internationalizing our overall platform. And I've asked Sanjay to comment a little bit more on some of that international spread. So that's it for me. I'm the warm-up act. Next come the experts. We're going to fill in the four views on return to 20% growth. Each one of them supports it in different ways. I'll summarize. We're the leading peer play in the exciting MSP space. We have a solid core growing in the mid-teens percentage-wise. We've got application and endpoint security platforms and RMM and SaaS, which are above 20% of revenue and growing over 40%. And they've been accelerating in terms of growth. The business model is a flywheel with many vectors of growth. And the measurement that we look at at the bottom of that is a net revenue retention now at 115%. Thanks again for coming. We have, uh, we have a great show for you today, great lineup. And uh, without further ado, I'm going to welcome my colleague, uh, Mr. Bob Petricelli, our CTO to the stage. Uh, technology class is in session, and uh, there may be a test. So um, Thank good you, luck. Tim. Good day, everybody. I'm uh, Bob Petricelli, and I'm Datto's chief technology officer. I have the distinct privilege of taking care of a, an amazing um, curious, creative, and committed team of engineers and technologists who, with their other colleagues at Datto, create differentiated technology for MSPs. I hope that in my brief session, um, I will be able to help you better understand not just what we do, but how we think about and make investment decisions around our technology roadmap. Datto's technology began uh, when its young founder, without the burden of preconceived notions about how IT is done, immersed himself in the MSP channel and helped them build new recurring revenue streams around business continuity. This relentless focus on MSPs led, the led to the creation of the core elements of Datto's tech. Let's go into that a little bit. First, there's the Datto exabyte scale private cloud, giving Datto some very unique advantages with respect to control, scale, and efficiency and cost of operations. There's a manage plat management platform that was born in the cloud that overlays all of this, and proprietary IP that provides both functional and performance differentiation. In addition to this, there's true multi-tenancy, which is absolutely critical to managed service providers and often not found in enterprise products that have been watered down for the channel. As we've uh, evolved, we've also developed key integrations across all of the products in the portfolio. And perhaps most importantly, we've maintained an open ecosystem culture that has resulted in literally hundreds of integrations with the third-party applications that MSPs care about. But um, Datto's close engagement with MSPs has taught us, especially recently, firsthand, that cyber criminals have indeed discovered SMBs. And Datto's been there, helping MSPs respond and recover to cyber attacks. And our product and engineering investments are guided by a consistent security-first vision. 
This security vision is best described by the National Institutes for Standards and Technology Framework. A hard to say, but easy to understand model, broadly adopted by thousands of enterprises today. And this model that you'll be seeing a lot serves as the common point of reference, not just guiding our internal investments, but also guiding and framing our external conversations with MSPs. And it's pretty easy to understand, so let me take you through each one of the activities. First, there's identify, which is simple. Understand your digital assets and their relative value. Then protect. Implement controls to reduce the likelihood of a successful cyber attack. Detect. Know when threat actors are resident in your network. Respond, isolate, and expel those attackers. And, of course, recover. Be able to resume and restore critical business operations. With this security framework in mind, let's understand how data technology maps to each one of these activities. And like many great stories, I'm going to begin at the end with the recover activity and the data continuity cloud. I will argue that continuity is the single most essential element in the security framework. And it's the combination of people, process, and technology that's necessary to continue critical business operations in the face of adverse events. Because downtime costs businesses money, and for the MSPs, extended downtime can be an existential threat to their SMB relationships, continuity is absolutely critical. But before I get into the details of what makes the continuity cloud work and what makes it special, Let's walk through a well-documented example of the consequence of the strategy, a story that in many ways parallels the types of attacks against SMBs and MSPs that we've seen uphand and up close, firsthand and up close many times. That example is uh, Colonial Pipeline. In the Colonial Pipeline attack, they were initially attacked by dark side hackers using compromised credentials. And those hackers perpetrated a classical data encryption ransomware attack. You can see here the ransomware was promptly paid. But as we've learned, criminals rarely offer a warranty on their work. And decryption proceeded very slowly and was very problematic. Uh, and as a result, the team fell back to having to start a full rebuild of the uh, internal system that supported billing. Eventually, several days later, there was a partial restart, and several days after that, the pipeline operations resumed, with on June 7th, the CEO issuing a formal statement that even though the pipeline was operating, it would be months before all of their internal IT systems would be restored to normal operation. So. Total impact, as we all know, billions of dollars to the regional economy, at least 33 days, probably longer, of impact to Colonial and their IT systems. But, you know, what if we were in an alternate universe where Colonial had contracted with a managed service provider that specialized in continuity solutions? Um, it could have been a very different outcome. DarkSide may still have attacked and, unfortunately, may still have penetrated the network. But the system pause would have been very brief. 
because a, a continuity solution allows you to do immediate failover to standby virtualized environments and continue your critical business functions. Once the bad actor was expelled from the system, they would have done that, and then they would have had time to restore their systems. And so in this case, the true outage might only have been a few hours rather than weeks. And this is very typical. We've seen this happen and do continue to see this happen literally hundreds of times a year. And what's really interesting about it is, and, and, and one of the reasons uh, data has been particularly successful in this space, is that uh, probably the second thing that bad actors do once they gain access to uh, SMB's network is they delete their backups. Uh, they, they know backups are a valuable tool. Uh, Datto's immutable cloud actually makes that impossible. And uh, now that I've, I've highlighted the importance of continuity and its place in the security framework, let's briefly review the core elements of uh, the continuity cloud, and um, I'll just walk you through that. Uh, at Datto, it starts with an application-consistent image backup. And in, in some respects, that's the easy part, because a continuity system is only as good as the last restore, and recovery is, is hard. This backup image is automatically replicated to the Datos cloud, which is immutable, as I mentioned before. Um, other solutions require MSPs to contract with independent cloud service providers, which just prevents fertile, provides uh, fertile ground for finger pointing and unhappiness when either replications or recoveries fail. In the data environment, that backup image is automatically virtualized. And that virtualization serves as the evidence that that backup is viable because it proves that it can then be used to resume business operations, and it's actually a good backup. I think you'd be surprised how many backups using just traditional backup technology are actually not viable when you need to restore them, surprisingly high level. The MSP then has access to failover and on-demand virtualization directly in our cloud or on the edge, depending on the nature of their deployment, uh, as well as a large number of robust uh, restore operations. And all of this happens through a single management plane with a direct to tech access to support 24 by 7. So reliable and predictable. Continuity Cloud is the cornerstone of many of our partners' recurring revenue businesses. Sorry about that. Got, got a little excited. But what are these MSPs protecting? The term SMB technology may bring to mind an image of old servers moldering in dusty equipment closets in a basement somewhere. And this could not be further from the truth. MSPs are, in fact, managing workloads for SMBs using the same virtual environments and technology that their enterprise counterparts employ. And, in fact, looking at our fleet data, 70% of the workloads are in virtual machines. And that trend's been accelerating year over year up from just 70% a year ago. But MSPs are not just managing modern virtual infrastructure. We see strong evidence 
that they're continuing to invest in the underlying operating systems and the line of business applications that they support. A deeper look into the telemetry from our continuity cloud shows us not just double-digit annual growth in the workloads themselves, but a continuous investment in the versions of Windows operating system, which has uh, combined to improve the mix with MSPs replacing old legacy versions of Windows Server with the latest versions. In other words, they're up to date with respect to their platform, they're up to date with respect to their OS, and uh, this is an accelerating trend. In short, the data tells us that continuity is a robust business. Let's zoom out to 10,000 feet for a moment and get a quick look at the Datto Cloud itself and you know, what I'd like to think of as the MSP universe. Uh, together with Datto, MSPs protect workloads on PCs, on those virtual machines we talked about at various physical locations, and increasingly in public cloud. And um, speaking of public cloud, Datto has recently launched DCMA, Datto Continuity from Microsoft Azure. Uh, when we set out to extend the reach of Datto Continuity Cloud to public cloud, we decided deliberately to start with Azure. Um, and you, may, you may wonder why. Um, being a very Microsoft-centric community, it's probably not too surprising that our uh, direct survey uh, of the base um, yielded that over 65% of Datto MSPs utilize Azure as their preferred cloud environment. But this tech is really easy to extend to AWS and uh, Google Cloud should MSPs require those services. But most importantly, we took care to preserve the key elements of the continuity cloud that have been delighters and driven the success uh, of the product with our MSP partners. And, and those key elements are the same superior continuity performance, the same experience. The same simple and predictable pricing model. And anyone who's had to operate infrastructure on public cloud knows it's typically far from predictable. Bills are hard to understand. They're different every month. Datto is a partner with the MSP to provide extreme predictability. The same immutable Datto cloud and the same frictionless replication services and, of course, the same experience. No need to retrain your technicians. The same unified management platform. Okay. Let's leave continuity for a moment and move back up to the NIST framework. I'd like to now pivot to the two. The, we'll stay in recovery for a moment for SaaS protection, but I'll move over as well to talk a little bit about the protect activity and one of our latest product introductions SAS defense. Back to the um, MSP universe and the Datto Cloud for a minute. SAS protection occupies uh, the white space created by and, and frankly encouraged by Microsoft around the comprehensive M365 data backup and archiving service. And that includes protecting data from Exchange, OneDrive, SharePoint, and Teams. And in, in case it's not clear, the reason uh, that we do this and the reason MSPs provide this service is multifold. First of all, 
many regulated companies, and, and MSPs are deeply involved in regulated businesses, need to meet data retention and archival standards that go beyond what native M365 can offer. In addition, data gets lost. Data gets deleted sometimes maliciously by an insider, sometimes accidentally. And recovers, recoveries happen more than you might expect. And of course, we provide similar capabilities for Google, covering Gmail, contacts, calendar, and uh, G Drive. But the real driver has been the success of SaaS in the uh, business application space. And there are literally hundreds of millions of paid M365 and G Suite seats worldwide. And MSPs have been a strong part of this trend. And this growth has made SaaS protection Datto's fastest growing and, incidentally, most scalable platform. But SaaS data protection is really only the beginning. There are important security trends affecting SaaS applications that have motivated us to make additional investments in this space. Two-thirds of cyber attacks are perpetrated using compromised credentials. And phishing is a highly effective method used by threat actors to steal access to company systems. This data compiled by the FBI was really eye-opening because it shows that the incidence of phishing as a reported cybercrime, and of course, the reported instances are going to be orders of magnitude below the actual numbers, has increased since 2018 by a factor of almost 10x. Astounding. In fact, I can tell you, having looked at this complete data set uh, in some detail, that phishing is now by far the largest category of cybercrime that the FBI tracks. So why does this matter? Well, if we step back for a minute, thinking about SAS protection, we're already connecting to the APIs of M365. We're already uh, archiving those emails, those Teams channels. And the MSPs now need to provide more advanced protection for things like exchange, for things like attachments, for files on OneDrive. And uh, this trend of accelerating attacks that I just talked about has uh, led us to develop a one-click security extension to SAS protection, data SAS defense. And as you'll see in a minute, it's going to help MSPs access a whole new white space in their ecosystem. But before I get to that and the data, let's have a look at some of the underlying technology. Datto um, did some pretty expense, uh, extensive diligence uh, prior to acquiring an Israeli security startup called BitDam. And uh, we've since made their IP the core of the SaaS defense product. And prior to that acquisition, we contracted with an independent lab to do extensive real-world testing, uh, especially um, focused on the efficacy of malware detection and phishing detection, which have been uh, really normalized by cyber criminals as businesses. And after, you know, doing these real-world comparisons, uh, unfortunately, I can't show you the other companies, but I can assure you they are 
the large enterprise household names on this list. We found that some of the unique technology in the platform allowed Datto SAS Defense to be more sensitive to the detection of sophisticated first-time phishing and malware attacks, but at the same time have an extraordinarily low false positive rate. And, and the reason that's important is that, as you'll see in a minute, one of the reasons MSPs haven't penetrated this space is the complexity and management overhead of providing advanced application protection really exceeds their ability from a staffing and expertise perspective to provide that. But we'll, we'll, get, on, we'll get on to that in a minute. What makes this technology great uh, is that it is thoroughly modern. It uses machine learning and com computer vision techniques uh, and a specially trained model to identify malware and phishing attacks that are novel the first time, rather than relying on network effects to detect attacks retrospectively and then try to use signatures to prevent them uh, from hitting others. So very powerful in terms of first-time attacks. And the malware detection um, has been especially developed to uh, defeat uh, evasion technology built into modern malware that can literally detect that it's running in a sandbox and prevent malware detonation. And so we have some very advanced techniques for fooling the would-be attackers and defeating their safeguards. Very much more effective than relying on signatures. But, you know, now sort of the exciting part, at least exciting to me, because I always like what the data tells me. And the data tells us a lot about white space. We have unique insight uh, with uh, SAS protection and telemetry, and, and that insight has shown us that fully 70% of the mailboxes backed up by RMSPs do not have advanced threat protection products deployed. They're only protected in these cases with the free Microsoft EOP that's built into Exchange. Why? Well, as I said before, the complexity and cost of enterprise-style solutions has restricted the use of advanced protection and really limited it in the MSP world to their VIP customers. And the early results uh, after we launched SAS Defense at the beginning of November have been very promising. In the first 30 days alone, SAS Defense has blocked sophisticated phishing attacks that have broken through EOP in more than 75% of the protected mailboxes. Put simply, every M365 mailbox managed by MSPs today is going to be subject to dozens of sophisticated phishing attacks on an annual basis, and they are exposed. This presents a tremendous opportunity for the MSP if they have an effective appropriately priced, and most importantly, easy-to-manage solution to provide their clients. And SAS Defense is just that, easy to deploy, a great value proposition, and most importantly, it provides an expanded addressable market for MSPs. Let's uh, return to NIST for a moment. We're going to change gears and I'm going to pivot over to Datto's RMM, Remote Monitoring and Management Cloud, and uh, how that provides a framework for endpoint security in much the same way that SAS Protection provides us a framework for application security. So I think you'll see a 
recurring theme here. Back at that 10,000 foot view, RMM is a single hardened control plane, and it allows MSPs to provide advanced security and management capabilities to their various endpoints. Physical endpoints like laptops, virtual machines that we talked about before with continuity in various locations, and of course, in public cloud, such as Azure. But uh, before we get into the details, um, a few words about RMM and security in general. Most of us are aware, uh, based on recent news reports, that some RMMs have been compromised and literally weaponized to be used against managed service providers and their SMB clients. Um, Ryan Weeks, our Chief Information Security Officer, will comment uh, a lot on uh, Datto's internal security effort. But we have, over the last several years, invested significantly in internal security with a special focus on building security in to our application layer. And in fact, the good news is that earlier in the year, we joined an organization called BSIM, which stands for Building Security in Maturity Model. And it is a consortium of about 128 leading technology and finance-focused companies who together focus on developing methodologies for the formal assessment of the maturity of their own application security. Datto is the only MSP-facing company that belongs to this group. And Datto RMM is the only RMM that's been assessed against this framework. Uh, and in fact, Datto did extraordinarily well, finishing in the top 20% of all applications that have ever gone through the framework for their first-time assessment. Ryan will comment on this a little bit later, but uh, let's get back to the tech. So um, this is a typical Datto RMM dashboard. And I'd like to give you just a quick tour of how this MSP has this configured, because I think it will make it very clear very quickly to all of us why this is an extraordinary security management tool. From left to right, you can see here that we're able to actually actively manage the status of antivirus in the environment. And in fact, we can create policies around its deployment monitoring. We can automate Windows patch management, which is critical to closing vulnerabilities as they emerge. And we can go further than that. We can automate the life cycle of line of business applications and their patch and upgrade management. We are very tightly integrated with Microsoft's encryption technology, BitLocker. And no surprise, we provide a single pane of glass for access to continuity status with single-click drill-down to take you directly into the continuity control plane. But what's really exciting about all of this to me is the latest addition, which is the first security-forward plug-in for RMM that we've developed, data ransomware detection and response. Uh, let's, let's get into that a little bit. Back to the 10,000-foot level for a second. You can see that much like SAS protection, data RMM, is addressing endpoints as opposed to applications, and ransomware detection plugs directly into that platform. 
And it is literally the cumulative effort of years of accumulated threat intelligence and direct experience with ransomware attacks in the SMB environment. What is it? It's an extension to our RMM control plane that's designed to detect and respond when controls like AV fail. And the most common scenario involves an attacker resident in the network who, after they take their time setting up command and control and scanning the network, disable the AV and detonate their ransomware. We detect the, encrypt the encryption activity that results from this almost immediately, often in just a few seconds. And we then automatically, using the RMM framework, isolate the endpoint on the network and kill the ransomware process, usually in just a few seconds. And this terminates the attacker's access to the network and also automatically alerts the MSP. And it's really easy to deploy. It's a component like any other monitoring component in RMM. And in less than 12 months, uh, our MSP partners have deployed it to over 1.5 million endpoints. And it has literally stopped hundreds of live, hands-on keyboard threat actor attacks in SMB environments dead in their tracks. Let's talk a little bit about the roadmap as I come to a close. We'll continue to invest as a business in the leading durability and reliability that the Dow Cloud has provided. Uh, we'll follow those workloads we've talked about wherever they lead, and especially into public cloud. And we'll continue to drive further efficiencies and reduce operating cost and scale in the Dow Cloud. And as I'm sure you've seen already, expect to see us introduce new security features layered onto the SAS protection and RMM frameworks. In summary, uh, I hope I persuaded you that we build technology that's purpose-built for MSPs, that we, we have a North Star, we have a clear vision of what a security framework for an MSP operator needs to look like, that continuity is far more than backup and it's critical to minimizing downtime and that we've been doing this really well and can reliably protect workloads in virtually any environment that the MSP cares about. And finally, as you'll hear from Ryan Weeks in a minute, we have an industry-leading internal security effort that is tightly integrated, not just with the MSP community, but with our internal development program. And now um, I'd like to introduce uh, Ryan Weeks, who's going to I'll provide a few recorded remarks with respect to Datto's uh, security environment. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. I'm Ryan Weeks, the Chief Information Security Officer here at Datto. I've been with the company for five years. Unfortunately, I couldn't be there with you today. Uh, but we'll make the most of the next five or ten minutes as I share with you what we're doing to secure Datto and our MSP partners. With our roots in recovery, which is an essential capability in any security program, security has been and remains central to our culture. We have invested in security maturity for a number of years, and in that time, we have made some significant advances, which we'll talk about today. Over that time, we've also become a resource for the MSP community, and we work to continue to earn their trust every day. Last, 
Security is an evolving landscape and requires us to continually improve. And at Datto, we have made the commitment to continue to invest for that improvement. Using the three concentric rings shown here, we focus our security investments. At the center innermost ring with Datto, we must secure ourselves first, as that both helps to protect ourselves as well as our MSP partners that rely on our products. We use the expertise we gain from securing ourselves in turn to help MSPs secure themselves. And the MSPs who go on that journey and secure themselves find themselves in a position to be more able to help secure their clients in the outermost ring. What differentiates Datto is that we take an inside-out approach and do the work of getting our own house in order. It all starts with that inner ring, securing Datto, where we've invested for a number of years. This core focus is where we'll be spending our time today. Securing data really starts with our company culture. It's absolutely critical that everyone at data, regardless of their title or role, is thinking about security as part of what they do on a day-to-day -day basis, and that they understand security as part of their responsibility. There are three main methods we use to form the culture of security at data. Internal education, continuous testing, and communication from senior leadership. These three main methods we use to form that culture have led to some superlative outcomes over the past several years. This year and in the coming years, we will continue to host security days, an internal only, full day, company-wide security education and awareness conference with multiple tracks for education and awareness content specific to different roles within the company to help employees better, best understand the security landscape and how to keep data safe. We also leverage continuous testing, which has led to exceptional employee uh, results with regard to industry benchmarks. We've driven our employee susceptibility to social engineering attacks to the lowest possible denominator, exceeding industry benchmarks. At Datto, we also have monthly town halls, where myself or another member of the senior leadership team will discuss the security landscape as well as any upcoming improvements we are making to secure Datto. These three aspects have really helped to create a very solid company culture around security, which we can build from. We just heard from Bob, who framed out our products under the NIST cybersecurity framework. In the five years I've been with Datto, we have continually matured our security program, leveraging this framework. In the summer of 2019, we took a snapshot of our program capabilities within the framework. At that point in time, we had defined capabilities in all of the five framework focus areas, all of which were being driven by security experts across the company. As of this fall of 2021, we have doubled the number of information security and embedded security staff in order to continue to mature the existing aspects of our program, as well as add new capabilities as highlighted to further secure data and our MSPs. Perhaps the largest program accomplishment of the past two years has been the formalization of the application security program, all thanks to the growing network of software engineering security champions. Security champions are embedded in the product and engineering teams, and they drive application security activities into each product to minimize vulnerability and to assure our products are safe for use. Despite having a mature security program, 
we still work to earn the trust of MSPs every day. Part of our partnership with MSPs means remaining approachable and transparent. When events happen that shake their confidence, we're there to help them understand how to process those events and what Data as their most trusted partner is doing to help keep them safe. Doubling down on transparency, another essential way we earn our MSP's trust is by showing them the results of independent verification of our security posture. In the past and going forward, we will engage with a globally recognized leader in information security advisory services, Optiv. They come in and conduct an independent assessment of our security posture led by former Fortune 500 CISOs. The last assessment found that Datto has an above average maturity security program, which is a phenomenal outcome. That, on top of a history of excellence in demonstrating the operating effectiveness of our security program across all of our products, with 17 exception-free audits over the past three years. And adding to this portfolio, we're adding BSIM. Thanks to those efforts over the past two years, we've been able to have our application security program externally validated using an industry-accepted maturity model known as the Building Security and Maturity Model. Attacking software weaknesses is an increasingly favored tactic by threat actors. It's more important now than ever to MSPs that their software supply chain vendors demonstrate competency in application security. Our focus on application security investment and our requirement that we be able to inspect the results of our efforts has led us to join the BSIM community. BSIM is a group of over 128 different companies and growing that has chosen to come together to share best practices and to quantify the activities that are carried out by their real-world application security programs. While other application security frameworks exist, we chose BSIM because we prioritize independent third-party validation and the best-of-breed frameworks, which are also used by other blue-chip technology companies. The BSIM community is made up of companies that have a history of excellence in security and who collaborate openly with the broader technology community for continuous improvement, just like Datto. As a result, Datto RMM is now in a class of one. Other Datto products will be evaluated against this framework going forward. RMM is just the start. We are proud of the results of this industry-leading assessment, especially relative to the much larger companies who have been leveraging BSIM for many years. In two years, Datto has done what it takes other companies six years to do, and we're just getting started. While we have attained above-average security program and strong capabilities, security, as I've said, is continuously evolving. Using those internal and external assessments and the best-of-breed frameworks, we will scrutinize our capabilities to assure that they are sufficient to meet the current threat and risks facing the IT channel. We will continue to increase our investments in existing and new capabilities that protect the data and MSPs so that MSPs can focus on the business of protecting themselves and their clients. My thanks to you for your time. Be well and stay safe.
All right, hope everyone enjoyed the first few presentations. We're gonna have a brief break now, uh, call it about 10 minutes, and we'll be back here again at 2.30 Eastern.
Take your seats. Now I'd like to welcome uh, our Chief Revenue Officer, Sanjay Singh. Sanjay? Thank you. Good afternoon. Welcome back, everybody. All right. Okay. Let's, uh, let's get started. Um, I'm Sanjay Singh, Dado's Chief Revenue Officer. Um, 
uh, what was it, about three weeks ago or four weeks ago, Tim called me. I, I was, I was I'd taken a few days off, and he goes like, Sanjay, I want you to come present at an investor day. I'm like, Tim, I'm the sales guy. I run the go-to-market. Like, the five quarters of, of beat and race for you, that's my job. Like, I don't need to be here, right? That's, that's John Abbott and, and, and his. But then I realized that old adage, right? Like, if you're in sales, it's what have you done lately? So get up and tell people what you're going to do lately. But uh, anyways, um, thank you for having us. Um, before I get started, um, I want to tee up a little bit of the next section. So following me, we're going to have a fireside chat that's led by our chief customer officer, Chris McClowski, um, and two of our MSPs. So a lot of what I'll talk about will get a lot more real flavor, but because these are the MSPs that are really representing building what Dado is all talking about here in front of you all. Last year was fantastic for both the MSP community and for Datto. Despite all the challenges that were happening at a global level, we were able to deliver consistent growth in the marketplace. But more importantly, we also provided the MSPs with two new technology solutions. As you hear my speech or, or my, my talk track here, you'll see me weaving a lot of what Tim talked about, what Bob, and then putting a little bit of a go-to-market flavor to this, right? In this section, my goal, hopefully, is to help you understand that the data go-to-market machine efficiently connects that massive opportunity that Tim was highlighting with our differentiated products. Um, when we talk about what that means for us, it really creates this concept of uncapped scaling unit, units and, um, and drives that multiplier, which is, which is a big, big growth driver for us. Let's get into it. So the data go-to-market team is about 600 people strong. Um, we're distributed globally, and we have a very fundamental and structured land and expand strategy. This is how we go after the, the market. This is how we work when it comes to building our MSP relationships. But, but a lot of that actually starts well before a seller really picks up that first phone call. We really put a lot of investment, effort, enablement through our marketing engine. We have a very sophisticated marketing strategy where we start by providing the MSPs, the community, a lot of insights about that community. So think about the state of MSP report. We build tools and content around SMB insights. The intent for us is to have the community learn the value of be becoming a Datto partner. We sell them into this idea that when you become a Datto partner, when you come onto the platform, that we provide you two key drivers. One, your ability to, to grow your revenue by selling Datto products. And the second element is making it more efficient. If you really think about how this works in reality, I'll actually give you an example. Um, I joined Datto two and a half years ago. I came from a traditional enterprise business. In enterprise, channel is all about using a mechanism to pass a paper, to pass the deal. It's not about enabling the channel. For us at Datto, we focus on the MSP industry, and we're a leader in helping that community grow, build. So in 2019, I met one of our MSPs out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. It was a five-people shop, very small. The gentleman was really gung-ho about building this recurring revenue business with us. And I'll, no, 
We mapped him properly. We got him engaged in our tools and services, which I'll talk about a little bit. But fast forward, now they're five times larger with Datto. So it goes back to that chart that Tim was talking about. There are about 20 people now um, in that, in that um, MSP and growing. So that's a lot of what our story is. That's what day in, day out, the sellers, the marketers, the, the technical people within the organization really focus on. You saw this um, chart that Tim talked about, and I'm going to start to peel and, and delve into it a little bit. For us, the way we think about this is the real power of our business is taking our go-to-market machine, working with this channel, and helping the channel drive or, or unlock this SMB IT market. We can do all of this and still maintain within the company enterprise-level SaaS metrics for Datto. So we really focus on, on these four key areas, the sales leverage, multiple vectors of growth, um, a unique inbuilt churn protection, and more importantly, a scalable service and support model, each one of them um, that I will delve into. But before I go there, I want you to take a look at this chart. The MSP channel model for us drives best-in-class go-to-market efficiency for us. By leveraging the channel, they are our extension from a Salesforce perspective. So they are the feet on the ground. We're able to deliver the results that you've seen at lower sales and marketing expense as compared to other SaaS peer groups of ours. And that's really something that we take a lot of pride in within the company because it, it helps us scale our business, um, and, but really continues to our continued investment in, in, the, in the channel program. Again, referencing this slide to tee up my next one, you saw this from Tim. Um, no. In the land and expand strategy, the MSP, once they come into our ecosystem, we work with them on this multi-vectored growth that you're seeing here. While publicly we talk about MSP count, we talk about ARR per MSP, but underneath them, there are several layers of growth, and let me talk to you about what they are. First and foremost, the way our go-to-market activities work is really a fundamental basic principle of driving MSP acquisition. And we do it in a very, very simple way, which is to focus on the MSP, have them see that value prop of coming to the data platform, and bring them on with a single product with a single, to a single SMB. And the real magic then starts after that. Once you get the MSP on board, our growth team, our enablement strategy is really all about driving standardization of that solution that the MSP bought across the entire SMB that they have. So that's one. Then the second thing we do is we actually work with them through marketing tools, which I'll, I'll go into, to enable them to add new SMBs as part of that. And then the, the, the real flywheel starts to work, right? Then we move from there to cross-sell the products and services. And then again, same principle, further standardize them on that, on that portfolio. And once you kind of get that, that, that machine going, the SMBs, when they add new clients, or sorry, new employees, PCs, applications, the scaling unit within each of our products just automatically increases, right? And finally, 
you then add on top of it the incremental features. You, talk, you heard Bob talk a lot about technology. Um, those features that get built, they then become another driver for us, and they drive dollars per unit for Datto. And we're able to co no, command, command that, that incremental growth there. That, that's, that's part of that piece. This all ends up creating that flywheel effect that Tim was referring to. And finally, no, we wrap all of that around with our partner success, our 24-7 strategy, to really make sure we maximize our retention and continue to focus on building partners for life as part of that program. So let me drill into this a little bit. Is partner acquisition, what's our underlying strategy of how we drive acquisition of, of new partners? One of our key principles for that is really to focus on segmentation. So when, when we look at, at that demand gen engine, when we look at that acquisition strategy, we really focus on things like the size of an MSP, the size of their sales force, vertical specialization if they have, uh, what's their digital presence, what's their recurring revenue. And when you look at all of this, we really then map it back in a propensity to grow approach, right? And that model actually has helped us really drive quality new partners. And as you look forward, the sophisticated model, which talks about different personas, which talks about the, the profile of that MSP, ends up becoming that growth driver that data grows as these partners grow with us. This strategy for us has yielded successful new MSP ads. Our average gross MSP ads are now outpacing our pre-pandemic levels, and we continue to build on this momentum. So once, you've, once, you, once you're done with this acquisition, let me give you a, a different perspective of where our growth of new MSPs is coming from. Here's a view of our, our MSP base at a global level, America's EMEA and APAC. We have a diverse base of MSPs across the globe. Every day, day in, day out, whether the U.S., whether abroad, we continue, we're adding MSPs as part of that, this process. I do personally feel, see a large opportunity of international expansion, of international growth. The way we're doing it is by internationalizing our platform, our, our core business processes, and we're building relationships with local partners to build that reach and in an efficient way. We're opening new markets in APAC, in EMEA. This is going to be a multi-year journey. As I talk to you about the story, and I'll show you in some examples later, that we are part of the industry. We are defining the industry. We're growing with the industry. So when you play that out in new markets, new geography, that groundwork and the, is a multi-year journey for you to really see the returns coming out. So while there's still a lot of new partners in the U.S., domestically, international will also play a major part for us in the coming years. Moving to partner growth. One of the big things that we do when we get a partner on board is put a maniacal focus on making that MSP an effective seller of data solutions. So we really, when somebody comes in, right, so you get a, uh, an MSP in, 
They come in, they procure the product, they implement the product. We put the, the next round of real effort is all about making them effective sellers. And here's why, right? A traditional MSP is not sophisticated enough to run sales and marketing. They're not sophisticated enough to run digital campaigns, targeting. They're very great technical people. They, they know technology in and out. So we put a lot of effort in training and certification across multiple MSP functions. We work with them to build marketing content, collateral, that really is targeted to their end clients, to that SMB. So that's why that vertical comment I made integrates there. We work with them and drive partner events um, and really invest in that ecosystem. In an average year, we do well, well over three, three and a half, uh, 300 to 400 events at a global level when it comes to that. So these enablement resources really are designed to drive one thing is to make that MSP an effective seller because they are really the feet on the street, right? If you look at that 18,000 number that's talked about, pick a, no, somebody better with, in math in this room can do that, but if you even do a simple setup of two, you have well over 35, 36,000 sellers out there. So today, you know, somewhere in Europe, in UK, some MSP just closed a deal for Datto. And that is the power of our business model, right? So we invest in the MSP and in return, they grow leveraging our products as part of that. So when you think about the beauty of our land and expand strategy is the MSPs um, basically become the multiplier of our sales force as, as part of this. So a seller, when we map a seller, right? So you come in, you, you, you're now part of our, 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 our ecosystem. A seller can, will have, or our sales rep will have 30, 40, 50, depending upon our profiling, our segmentation, they'll have that many MSPs. But the reach of that to the SMB, we, we're in essence trying to enable that MSP group to reach out to the thousands of SMBs in their territory, their verticals that they're going. So our sales teams, really the technical account managers, their real job is to continue to make that MSP um, enablement really work in a very effective way. So one data rep, in essence, is trying to reach an addressable market of thousands of SMBs leverage, le leveraging the MSP. But the beauty in this is that this is just the start. We then work with the MSP to start driving cross-sell of sell-through sell products, products that drive revenue for the MSP into that same install base. So if you look at today, some, some stats for you, 50% of our MSPs have two or more data products, and 25% of our MSPs have three or more. So when you think about the opportunity just within that base that we have today is massive. That white space is big. And we, again, going back to the talk I, I, I mentioned earlier, we still continue to add gross MSPs at a very healthy clip um, post-pandemic levels. Let me pivot a little bit is to this concept of driving embedded growth within the SMB. What does this really mean, right? Is an, an SMB will add new applications. They'll hire new employees. These employees will receive a PC. They'll get their M365 seats. When these get units get added, um, they're set to auto-provision in our platform, right? So 
this vector of growth for us is entirely frictionless. And this drives very high incremental margins for our business. So it makes John Abbott, our CFO, very happy because it goes straight to the bottom line for the company. And so we build that, that the tool technology that Bob provides from our side is really the big enabler for us. So you, you set it and forget it. So every time, so that multiplier effect is really powerful in, 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 our, in our business from that perspective. And once a PC is added, a 365 seat is added, we're, doing, we're adding more protected applications in the ecosystem, we then move into this notion of upselling features that drive more dollars per unit for the MSP. So here, let's take an example here. So if you have an MSP that's using our RMM product, which is an endpoint driver, we can attach ransomware detect as a feature cap capability, and that really helps us drive dollars per endpoint. If you look at SaaS defense, Bob talked about this, the new, new product in the market for us. That, when attached to SaaS protection at a seat level, increases dollars per seat for us. So from an MSP perspective, this is an amazing value proposition because this stacks up that dollar per device, per SMB end users, and it's built really on margins. And I'll talk about that in, in a little bit here. So let, let me take you through this example from a case study perspective. So this is a real-life example. Mm. Bear with me. Um, this is a real-life example of an MSP in our mid-Atlantic region. And by the way, this is one of thousands of MSPs. You, you heard Tim talk about 1,300 plus giving us 100K of ARR. This graph really is that story that I'm telling you, right? Is in 2010, we, have, we onboarded this MSP. They purchased the first continuity product for us. And over the year, when you look at that graph going the way it is, that's all about standardizing the MSP on data continuity stack on the SMB side. So you have two big drivers going on in that map. One is, is the existing SMBs within that MSP and then the new ones that we added. And as the SMB becomes comfortable, they see the margins that they're making on our products. You go to the next thing, which is you drive those cross-sells that are going on. In this case, our, our SaaS protection product. And by the way, what started as a few thousand dollars in ARR is now sitting at well over 300K. And it's still growing, by the way, right? It's still growing because the MSP continues to add new SMBs. The other vector is these, those SMBs continue to add new employees, new applications, new clients. So each of these vectors of growth that I've walked you through, when combined together, create that multiplier effect and really drive that uncapped growth opportunity. So if you really think through what this means is, what, what do we do? What's our strategy? How do we focus on it? This is why, from a go-to-market perspective, our sales team, our marketing team, our SCs, solution engineers, we continuously focus on helping the MSP grow. And we nurture that relationship from day one. Massive investment in technologies like marketing toolkits, massive investment in areas like partner events, partner education. All of this helps us forge a deep relationship with the MSP. 
And that really drives into our strategy of playing this from a long game perspective. Let me take a minute and focus to the, the other side of or the, the other side of the coin, which is retention. Am I doing okay clicks? Okay. Retention is equally important to us at Datto, just as acquisition and growth. We, we have a dedicated team of partner uh, success, partner support, uh, who ensures that you know, we work with our partners to really have them be partners for life for us. And then if you look at one of those charts that I talked about, which is that churn protection element, because we go, we work through the MSP, we have an inbuilt buffer in, in, in our strategy around organic SMB churn. And if you think about that, then you look at that 89% dollar-based gross retention, that's how we attain it. Because if an MSP loses a client, we actually work with them to drive an acquisition, they get a new client, our products and services continue to be clicking through that process, right? Our, especially in our, in our business, once that MSP gets that view of they're making revenues, they're seeing the profits from our solutions. And keep in mind, and I'll touch again one more time, is we don't publish our prices to the SMB. We don't have any other mechanisms of how we sell. So these MSPs are wrapping our products into the solution that they're selling to the MSP. So we are in, we're driving their top line. So virtually all our MSPs, especially in, in that 100K ARR, uh, have been retained over the last year because of that, that framework that we put in place. Finally, we have a dedicated 24-7 technical support team that ensures our partners continue to get impeccable service. Because this is one of the big areas, if you're a managed service provider, you're a small shop or a mid-sized shop, you really need to have a vendor relationship or a partnership with a company where you're able to get best-in-class service. While we provide that to the MSP, we actually have an efficient sales model on our side of the house because we get the same leverage that you get on the sales side just in the opposite direction because the MSPs act as the first level of support for the SMB. So the data engagement is really around handling the MSP escalations as part of that. So A, we're able to build quality and technical depth that really we are able to interconnect and build that expertise with the MSP, but then we are also um, protected from trying to address hundreds of SMBs as part of that call. So let's shift gears a little bit. Um, let's talk about competition uh, and the competitive landscape. Um, I'm a big believer, personally, competition is healthy. It kind of keeps you on your game, right? It, for Datto, uh, day in, day out, we have a, we know we're competing for every, every dollar, every share, and the way we operate our business, um, no, there is maniacal focus on making sure that, no, we, we're, we're working on, on this framing of Bob's team builds the best in class products. Our sellers educate, understand the capabilities of our product, and really the fact that we're so purpose built for the MSPs is really one of our, our, our key areas of, of how we win a lot of, most of, if not all the times. 
I'll let you all read through the slides and, and, what, and all the variables, but at a very high level, we win for what reasons? One is our solutions are built for the MSP, right? We, everything we do is MSP-centric. The technology, it's scalable, it's robust. Um, if you look at the relationships that are built from day one, the fact that we have no channel conflict, the fact that our, um, no, we don't publish prices. This model that we have is difficult to replicate if you don't have complete focus on the MSPs. In some cases, it means giving direct, direct revenue up. And I, I told you earlier, I came from an enterprise background. The conflict between direct and indirect is massive in businesses. It's a time waste. It's a time set. For us, we know we're, no, we're not going anywhere. This is our, our kind of hedgehog. MSP is where we want to be. And that really drives a massive value differentiator for us. Wrap around the fact that we are the MSP technology company. That is our marketing line, the fact that we are a technology company. We are innovating for that particular industry. When you think about all of this, this takes years to build, right? You saw the cohorts Tim, Tim talked about earlier. You saw our growth. When you're spending five, seven, ten years in building that relationship, uh, that becomes a very deep competitive moat for us. And we continue to win because of that principle in our space. So what really happens on the field, day in, day out? You're picking the phone, you're calling, who are you, who are you seeing in the field and how you, you're handling that? Uh, from our perspective, we kind of operate in this sweet spot between enterprise solutions and down market point solutions. Um, we primarily compete with three types of businesses. Um, let's talk about the first type, right? These are your large vendors. They've been in the market longer than Datto. They're over no, a few hundred million in revenue. Uh, but here's the challenge there, right? They're not cloud native. They still have legacy platform technology that's out there. Uh, they're working to get on the cloud. But more importantly, that whatever they talk about being MSP-centric, they still appeal to the direct client. You can go to their websites. It's click here if you're an MSP, click here if you're an IT shop. You are not MSP-focused at that time. And we have several cases where MSPs have come to Datto because they do realize that they're losing business opportunities in that. But more importantly, in that first segment, we really focus our differentiation on the fact that we are driving sell-through revenue with the MSP. So we're driving their top line. A lot of their behavior, their actions in, in the marketplace is driven by one thing and one thing only, which is price, right? They come in, they try to compete on price. But here's have a multi-product portfolio. If you're not bundling, if you're not integrating the systems, you're making that MSP's life harder, right? They're already on selling the breadth of the data portfolio and how we bundle that, that unified plane on which they can look at their continuity uh, performance, they can integrate the RMM. Those about our story when we do our education, that's how we lead. Finally, in some cases, we do see enterprise, larger players in the market come in. And again, here, where we're winning, we have a highly secure product environment for all our products. They end up becoming differentiated. And then you wrap the, the whole angle again on the fact that 
we've simplified a little bit uh, on, on that, what that simplified really means. And then, again, this whole notion that your technology, your go-to-market strategy is purpose-built for this community uh, on, on that side. So let's, let's talk a little bit about um, this from a product lens perspective. So I was talking about, like, talk about what's, what's simplified mean. So let's, let's spend a few minutes on continuity. So first of all, in continuity, on the technical side of the product, when you look at the technology that we have, how it works, continuity backup is easy. Anybody can backup. You talk, Tim mentioned file and folder service providers and, and vendors and others. Restore is very difficult in continuity. And I'll, hey, we have this legacy solution in place. We're using this vendor, cannot restore. Click, move that. Because time and again, we have been able to prove. And the fact, the beauty for us is the fact storing is really difficult and the fact that we are able to do that and, and minimize that downtime in that business is really, really critical, important. The other thing is, is a lot of these solutions that are relatively complex to implement. So if you're an MSP, you're spending a lot of time. You're losing dollars where you should be either selling or servicing your client in an effective way because you're coming where you're trying to stitch it all together. And guess what? Even if you stitch it all together, managing and maintaining it is a complex process. So our turnkey solution, that simplified approach, click to deploy, is what makes us win every single day in the marketplace. If you think about what... On the SaaS protection side and defense, the way we package the product, the way the new age um, um, email and, and workplace um, kind of uh, technology that Bob talked about is working, we have the best bundle in the industry. A, from a technology perspective, B, from a margin perspective. There are a lot of players out there. Uh, some, one or the other will have subpar, no, has a, has a subpar solution in at least one of the components. And we continue. You saw the growth numbers that uh, Tim talked about. And again, just as continuity, SaaS is a revenue driver for SaaS protection, SaaS defense is a revenue driver for the MSP. So they really have, they build that in the way they frame the product or the offering to the SMB. It's packaged as part of that piece. So we continue to win on that. And on the RMM side, uh, we are the attackers in this space, right? This has been a, a, a real defined and maniacal focused strategy on just taking market share from, from, from competition. And the reason we were able to do that effectively, uh, we're winning displacement deals day in, day out uh, in this part. And the biggest driver for us is two, two big things. One, the fact we have a cloud native solution but more importantly, you heard Ryan, we talk about the size of our security team. You had Bob talk about the fact that we have a highly secure platform. And this is becoming a biggest differentiator for us. We don't sell on features. We don't sell on functionality capabilities. Oh, you need this checkbox. You need that. We focus on helping the MSP understand that what you're buying from Datto is a highly secure platform for your management uh, plane. And that's really um, the, the key here. On the RMMs, uh, on the PSA side, it's at a macro level, it's really a two-horse race uh, for us. And there we win uh, predominantly with, with two drivers. One is just deep integration within the Datto products. And the other is, uh, and, and with other MSP vendors alike, those are the, our two drivers for, for winning that. 
So hopefully this should give you a flavor that each of our products at a macro level have different competitive dynamics. Where we focus on are these two important variables. One is that deep relationship, that enablement to make MSPs effective sellers. And B is to actually focus on selling the portfolio over time. And when you combine all of these two, the third driver is the one that flips the deal, right? Or flips the switch for us, which is you cannot dabble in the channel, right? Either you're committed to it or you're not. And there are so many vendors. I, again, going back to my own personal um, experience of working for a very well-known enterprise for 17 years, uh, you can't dabble in and out of channel day in, day out, right? Uh, because these MSPs, they're, they're, they're building their business, they're building their growth, their entire on a vendor like Datto. So you can't, you can't go around them. So for us, we're all committed in, 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 in that all in that MSP um, industry and that community. And that's really why we've done so well from a performance perspective. So let me pull, um, kind of pull it all together. And, and the way I'll close this is, if you think about all the different conversations Bob talked about, Tim talked about, or you're hearing how we package this into the go-to-market side of the house. There are many scaling vectors in our business, and they're uncapped. And these vectors of growth, when combined, really give the multiplier effect. And the way we win because of all of this is our maniacal focus on growing with the MSP base. We nurture those relationships from day one. These deep, trusted relationships help us play the long game. And as you saw from those cohort charts, as you saw from my example, that's why over a longer period of time, these MSPs grow. They take on new products and services. They understand that Datto is there to enable them to really work with them to build their business in that ecosystem. And that then becomes the win-win where Datto grows as our MSPs grow. So hopefully the last 15, 20 minutes was insightful for you. Thank you for your time. Um, I'll pass in on, on the next section. You're going to see a fireside chat here with Chris McClowski, Datto's chief customer uh, officer, and two of our, uh, our MSPs on the platform here, and they'll give you a real-life perspective of how they leverage Datto. Thank you very much.
Afternoon, everyone. I'm Chris McCloskey. I'm Datto's Chief Customer Officer. Uh, I'm here today with two of uh, our MSPs. So I've got Kevin Damgani, CEO of IT Partners. Sure. So we get a lot of questions from investors and analysts about our MSPs, uh, the industry trends, and uh, we, we do our best to answer those questions uh, based on our interactions. Uh, but today we decided we we're going to flip it around, and uh, we, we, we use some of those frequently asked questions from the investment community to form the basis for this for this fireside chat. So we're going to uh, hear from you all a lot with uh, you know, two great MSP uh, owners and CEOs right here today. So uh, why don't we start? At, just just take a minute and introduce yourselves, your business, and your relationship with that. I want you to go first, Kevin. Sure, absolutely. Uh, Kevin Damgani out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. So we're an MSP um, that, you know, I think uh, we're the MSP from Grand Rapids that he might have mentioned. Um, so anyhow, uh, we're now in 19 states. Uh, two years ago, we were in two states. Uh, and we really focus on the government vertical. So government's a big one. And then co-managed IT. So that's organizations mid-market, um, small enterprise, uh, that's kind of our go-to. So we don't really focus on the end uh, a tremendous growth over the last, uh, the last you know, few years, uh, but especially over the last uh, two years as well. Great. I'm Peter Melby, uh, CEO of Greystone Technology. We're a 20-minute uh, portfolio. We've been a data partner for over 10 years. So excited to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So, so we heard Tim talk earlier about some of the secular trends driving growth in the MSP space and fees, and we've talked a lot about that. But um, why, don't you, uh, why don't you walk us through a little bit about what you're seeing in the industry, trends with SMB IT, and what's going on with your business in terms of financial growth? Yeah. Um, and I know everyone here probably woke up this morning saying, I really hope we get to learn about the history of IT. <laughs> um, but uh, IT used to be simple. Um, all of your data was in a closet. Server setup, Microsoft server, some databases. Um, it, it was simple, uh, but it was hard to manage. Uh, you had to have a technician do almost everything, install a program, set up a user account. Um, today, uh, technology is easy. Anyone can go sign up for a thousand different SaaS platforms. Um, but it's complicated because data is in a thousand places. And now it's, it's easy but complicated. Um, and um, MSPs, we are the is not known for really understanding business. And so that's that's really the key there is that word partner. So you might hear that thrown around a lot. Um, Datto has built into the core philosophy. We've been a partner since 2015, um, so six years or so now. Um, partnership is at the core of everything Datto does. So they're really looking at the MSP or us or even our peers in the industry and saying, what, what are the untapped areas on how we can help you grow? And so when we looked at that, uh, looked at that, we didn't really understand what that partnership was as a new, new vendor, but that, or, I'm sorry, as a new uh, partner with Datto, and it was very clear early on that Datto is a different breed of company. We work with a lot of vendors in our space, um, and so the partnership mentality, the marketing collateral, collateral the access to deals, the um, you know the, even the lead gen uh, has been has been incredible. But then also, um, as Sanjay uh, pointed out, that one account rep that goes uh, to dozens of MSPs, which serves thousands of, of SMBs. That's really it. So those those account reps or the the account executives are really our ally in, in that space to help us grow. They're financially motivated to take 
to take uh, less mature MS, or, um, MSPs and move the, them up market. And we've seen that firsthand, uh, and, and the peers in the industry have seen that firsthand. Interesting. Interesting. Anything to add there, Peter? Yeah, you know, I think as as we look at the, the ecosystem of that, that we're uh, sitting in, we need a deeper partnerships than a typical, you know, just vendor-client relationship. Uh, because we, we, you know, I talked about the fact that we're bringing maturity to a complex environment. Um, we need our vendors to bring maturity to us. And Sanjay talked about it. Tim talked about it. The fact that, that the MSP community is very unique. And if you're in it, you recognize how unique it is. Um, because we have, we, we have these vendors and, and it's easy for us as MSPs to spot the ones that are truly, that truly understand what MSPs need, our clients and the ones who are just trying to attach themselves to the money train, you know, that comes with that. And we need the, the, the partners and the vendors who are go coming in and saying, do a path to end client adoption uh, mm -hmm. of that product. Because when, when we get that, our friction is less. We have to spend less resources and we're more efficient. And that's the entire name of the game is how we bring. When, when you're saying that adoption, so we came in with Datto spending $79 a month. And uh, I remember that day in 2015 uh, when we signed on and it was one product and uh, through multiple acquisitions and all those companies are siloed. So their account executives are just pushing product where Datto is pushing an ecosystem that all interconnects and works and is secure. Get eyes on that technology and become better run MSPs and then, and then eventually adopt additional uh, data products. But I think oftentimes you have to prove it on that first one. And then we see you guys start standardizing and, and, and that becomes a big part of your, a piece of technology in your stack. And if you're going to work with a vendor, what's the process that you go through? Who's making the decisions and calls between you and the SMB? Yeah. I mean, that, that's really what they're trusting us. It has to be best in class. Um, but to that point, Adoption you know, of technology is simple. It just has to work and has to benefit them. You know, again, it's simple but hard. And you know, you, right. you, you look at great solutions that, that don't have the intended impact. And so, as we look at at you know what to bring forward, we can't afford solutions that are, are going to be risky from an adoption perspective. We exactly how it's going to impact that and you know small business. And the small and mid-sized businesses are so diverse that you know we it, it, it's where are we going to get quick traction? Where are we going to get the most? You know, over the years, we, we really you know, uh, use a lot of, of enterprise vendors, but we don't ever trust them to have the same alignment with the end user and end company goal. And that's why we're to really help us you know, push through and build that maturity because we don't have the scale that you have. You know, and we don't have to. And that's, that's yeah, great. A lot of conflict in, in what you were sharing too. Yeah, absolutely. So you're both our continuity product, our continuity offering. And uh, I think we get, you know, we, we get questions, uh, and Ryan gets questions on, you know, what's the difference between Datto's continuity product and a, you know, file bait? You know, I think, I think a lot of people kind of mark it and blend the line, but it's an important distinction in, in my view, and I think your view. Um, so, yeah. so, so how would you kind of describe for the audience uh, why does it mean to, to you and your clients? Sure. And uh, I'll be a little candid here, so uh, you know, so forgive me in advance. But uh, prior to partnering with Datto, uh, cu uh, a customer of ours, or whatever the case, and that pucker factor would would, uh, and and the the first thought was, oh crap. I hope the backup worked. <laughs> and so uh, we had a hodgepodge, just IT partners, um, 
but it was that, okay, well, hopefully the backup worked. Because uh, then you go uh, send, it, send an engineer in to go to restore or whatever the case is, and you have a green checkbox, but the restore doesn't work, or it's taking days upon days to do a restore because, you know, there was an error halfway through or whatever the case was. Right. And so um, green checkbox that says your data's good. That's ridiculous. That seems asinine. Mm. It, it, most of these, the, the companies that we're supporting and the governments we're supporting, they're, they're doing tens and 20, 30, 50, 100 million dollars in revenue, and that data is important. And so what data allows us to do is get daily testing and screenshot verification. And so when you see those wow moments versus the competitors, it's the wow moment to say, we need to standardize on this. There's something here. And that was kind of the cornerstone for us to then, then launch in. So difference between file-based, backing up your Word document or infrastructure, it goes down, we flip it on, the, that end customer is up and running. And so I want to share one quick story. Uh, one of our larger governments, um, the, one of our larger government partners in the state of Oregon, uh, they had their entire infrastructure go down. They, so, you know, not to get too technical, but they had their SAN crash, their storage area network crash. And we had just onboarded a data solution about three months prior to that happening, that event happening. And so they called in an absolute panic because we had just finished onboarding with them. And uh, we spun them all up that, you know, within a matter of hours. And they ran on that data solution while they then rebuilt their entire infrastructure for four months um, in Datto's cloud. Four months. And the, the, uh, the um, transfer process uh, to, to go back to live was seamless. You know? And so what we saw there uh, was that partner, that government agency of ours, was so thrilled, we ended up getting four more uh, sales from some of their, uh, you know, their branching agencies uh, from that, which was awesome. I mean, that was just an accolade to say, wow, they invested in the right technology. We got letter upon letter through that process of, of how smooth things went. And that's great. I mean, there's, there's always stories like that. But when you look at, like, Atlanta getting hit with ransomware, you look at the Colonial Pipeline, and all these things that could be preventable. And uh, governments are just ripe for the picking with continuity. A lot of on-prem data, and they're still using tape if... Uh, you know, there's a lot of young young faces in the room. I'm I'm pretty young myself, but uh, you know, they're using tape for weeks and weeks and weeks to restore if they can, um, because they're using these in in 2021. That just doesn't work anymore. Yeah, yeah. So so, you know, very simple and and out of date backup solutions on what's become complex infrastructure like uh, yeah. private cloud, virtual machines, SAN infrastructure. That, that, that goes down and uh, it takes a long time to rebuild with outdated, uh, outdated technology. And, you know, those infrastructures, uh, that, and we'll get to it in, in, in a bit, but those, those are important in your more complex clients, which is where you make your money, right? And time is money in your business. So uh, great, great story. Illustrates yeah. a lot of those points that I think uh, some of the earlier presentations were, were, were driving home more conceptually. So thank you for that. Yeah. So, so let me pivot here to two of the, the, the topics that you've heard a lot about so far today from Tim and Bob. Uh, We'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about security and, and cloud and the shift to cloud and, and, and get uh, Kevin and Peter's take on that. Um, but first, I want to start with security. Obviously, you know, you, you hear a lot about security from us and the NIST framework and uh, how MSPs have to start thinking about that and how, how it's become you know, top of the agenda in every MSP. 
uh, is in the security business. So, um, you know, Peter, let's talk about how the increase in cyber threat has changed the way you deal with your clients and acquire clients and, 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 and interact with them. Yeah, it's, it's changed the way that we've dealt with our, that we deal with our, our clients, you know, our employees and our, our vendors, you know, yeah. vendor partners. I think that, you know, most of our, our clients, especially in the SMB space, they see the, the security in cybercrime as just chaotic and confusing. And even the solution set, you know, is that way. There are so many security companies out there. So our, our goal and our, 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 our mission is to bring reality, a clear reality to them. We have to provide clarity, but the worst, the, the, there is no room right now for telling our clients what they want to hear when it comes to security. We have to tell them the reality of what's happening. And the reality in that is, and we, we, we go to them, we typically you know, make sure that, that the C-level's in the conversation, not just technical people. Um, we talk about budgeting. We talk about the fact that, that cybersecurity budget should not be the same as IT budget. You know, th they should be looked at separately. And then we, we talk about the fact that it's, it's this cat and mouse game. And there is order that we can bring to it. There are business decisions that can be had here. But it starts with them understanding a little bit more that, than they used to. So you don't need to understand the technical details, but you need to understand some of the definitions because this is your choice in how to protect yourselves, not, not ours. We're going to lead you to that choice. And so as we have those conversations, a lot of it comes down to you, know, you, look, you look at the NIST uh, framework. You look at this is would love to just say, how do I tell me how to protect, protect myself and I'll be fine. But a complete cybersecurity solution has to recognize the fact that even these advanced protections aren't perfect. We're market that have to be develop, developed so fast to keep up with what's happening in cybercrime that they're not going to be perfect. And so we have to be very clear with our clients too about the fact that you're going to you know spend to protect you know against 98% of threats, and then when there's the, the 2%. Um, we have to assume that that 2% is still potentially going to happen, and we have to make sure that on the other side, you know, the, the Colonial Pipeline you know, example was a great one to say, what could it be on the other side of that um, to the point that it doesn't have to be fatal to, to a, a, a small you know, or mid-sized business, and, and a lot of them are um, if they don't take those, those precautions. So we are in the game of telling people what they don't want to hear, but telling it to them in a way that they can look at it and say, I know what my clear action is, do those things. And that's where the just the the entire suite, you know, of uh, products available factors into that conversation. And the NIST alignment is critical for us. So, you know, I, I'll bet you you'll agree with this. Two years ago or even a year ago, when you had a security conversation with a, a, a customer, it was very difficult to get them to bite. Um, you know, it was like clawing up a tree. But then with all the news stories that have been hitting with security, security, these CEOs of these companies are just hungry for it now. You walk in and say security, uh, it's like, okay, yeah, we need that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that there's a huge growth segment. It's uh, the, one of the biggest threats. It's also the biggest opportunity. And I think that, you know, recognizing that how we work with our vendors is key in that, too. I mean, it's, it's similar. We didn't have to – we used to be able to, you know, what was going on. Now we have to use our technical teams to vet our vendors and make sure that, you know, in the concentric circles that, you know, have been shown a, you know, a, a few times, the recognition that that's, that's our – we're accountable for that, too. And when that accountability overlaps, 
you don't have the types of situations like we've seen in some of these, these spaces. It's where the accountability doesn't even, you know, meet together that we have some of those challenges. And that's, that again goes back to the difference between an enterprise solution, you know, and having, you know, a, a partner that understands how to bridge those gaps, you know, and overlap that accountability for us. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it, it's smart. I think, you know, you, you, you're, you're doing a good practice by having those difficult conversations. They're never easy, right? But we, my Code Red support organization does a lot of uh, assistance in restoring uh, with MSPs and ransomware scenarios. And the partners who've had those difficult conversations and sold the proper continuity solution and made sure that that, that last line of defense in the NIST framework was in place, they have stronger relationships. Whereas people who don't or people who don't have uh, a continuity solution in place and have to restore from file-based file backup, that, that client's lost forever. And I think, it, you know, you, you illustrate that well. Well, the truth to that. Yeah. So um, let's hit the last topic. Uh, it, it's, it's cloud. And, and uh, I want to talk about this term shift to cloud and, and, <laughs> and, and what that means, right? I think, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's true. Uh, you know, cloud's, cloud's a trend and, you, you know, there, there, there's, there's more and more activity happening in the cloud. But I think as we talk to our partners, we constantly hear it's quite a bit more nuanced than that. So I guess what does the term shift to cloud mean to you, Peter? And like where, where do your clients fall on the spectrum uh, in, in terms of what they're doing in the cloud versus virtual machine, private cloud, on-premise data center? So, so in 2008, I'll, I'll never forget, I flew to an IT conference. We had a, about a million-dollar business at the time. And the keynote at this conference was talking you know, about the introduction of the cloud. And the punchline, the, the emphasis of the entire talk was you're going to go out of business in 24 months because IT will be so commoditized in the cloud that you, they will not need MSPs. And so if you want to stay alive, you build a data center. And <laughs> that's, you know, and become a data center business. And you become the cloud. Uh, you can look at the history of the, the service providers that did that. You can look at now how many of them are not really excited about it as they compete with Microsoft and Amazon in a very head-to-head -head space. Yeah. And the reality is, is that the cloud, we've been, you know, heard similar versions of that same message for the last 13 years. But what we do is more and more needed, you know, as long as we're paying attention. You look at recession, you know, you look at, you know, uh, economic boom. It's, it's the same, you know, the, the needs are still there. You know, you look at the fact with that... With the shift to the cloud, with, the need and growth for the MSP is even greater, yeah. believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. And, and the reality is, is that the cloud does not mean one thing. And the cloud is not a one-size-fits-all approach. And so um, you know, as, as you look at the, the maturity of MSPs that, you know, ha, as it's evolved you know, over recent years, and you look at the, the landscape, the, our target demographic and our ideal demographic is, is getting larger. So while, while we do a lot with the cloud, we do a lot with you know, Microsoft Azure, we do a lot with AWS, um, we are very much focused on what, where the right solutions are in those spaces. And so we're actually also doing more on-prem, you know, work, uh, especially for, for those larger, you know, companies in the SMB space that need 
more complexity. They, they need more nuance than just put everything in Azure and pretend that it's all going to be fine. You know, businesses don't operate that simply, you know, at that, that level, and that's not going to change. There's, there's going to be room for these things. Um, so it's, it, it is very new, and the cloud is very relevant, and that's, you know, a huge part of, of what we're doing, but we can't look at it with this broad stroke and just yeah. say, hey, you know, paint it with a broad brush, it's the cloud, it is what it is, we don't have to worry about that anymore. It's kind of the opposite of that. Yeah. Is it, is it fair to say hybrid cloud is, is, is uh, very much uh, a trend in mid-sized business as well? You, you, you're, you're, you're dealing with infrastructure decisions with each and every client. Yeah. Some things make sense in Azure. Some, it's an and story as well, opposed to just shift story, right? You talked to everybody in the last two days, every you know, company that had to send out an apology because AWS went down. Right. Yeah, yeah, that was a major. It's challenge. a it's a perfect example of the fact that yes, maybe it's excusable because it's Amazon and you know you don't get fired for picking Amazon. You're still down. Your business still lost money. You're still challenged in those spaces, and so I think that's where where we we, we do you know like I said we we're significant Microsoft partners. We do not trust that Microsoft has every piece of that in line. We vet it and we make sure that we're filling the gaps. So that's what our that, that's what our, our our clients need. That's what they require. And so hybrid cloud even looks extremely different between whether it's on prem, you know, and in a public cloud, whether it's private cloud, public cloud, whether it's you know private cloud on prem. I mean, all of those are relevant you know scenarios that we now have to be able to bring and say, you know, here's here's how this piece addresses this situation, and we can support that because of the tools and partners we have. Yeah, and it's your best customers that have the diverse uh, infrastructure requirements, not the, not the simplest and, and, and Exactly, I mean, as, we, as we look at, at the, 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 the complexity of businesses who need our services, that's our future. I mean, our, our growth, you know, the, the limit on our growth right now is not market opportunity. It's our ability to service it effectively because there's no such thing as faking it in the IT space, especially right now. And so we, we can grow as fast as we can responsibly deliver on those things. And I think that's, that's one of the things when it comes to whether it's cloud, whether it's on-prem, all of that, having that, that partner layer yeah. that, that can help us do that faster, you know, that's really where growth you know, takes off for yeah. us. So um, I, I, I'd love to, do you mind if I share kind of a, a quick story on that uh, topic? So um, we're working with the third largest pizza chain in the country. So um, we have gotten their on-prem on data uh, taken care of. However, all of their customer-facing applications, online ordering, their website, all of that, the app, all of that is hosted in Azure. Well, the, the CIO there is terrified of, you know, the events like what we just saw two days down in AWS. That just can't happen. So we're, we're in the final uh, stages of, you know, the new, because it just launched the Datto Azure, uh, uh, excuse me, continuity, where if that were to happen, we can fail over to Datto's cloud. And so with the shift to the cloud, Awesome, we've got you covered with, with backup. You still need backup. When you read Microsoft's end user license agreement, uh, it specifically says we recommend a off-site storage uh, outside of Microsoft. And, and so that's, that's kind of what we're, what we're up against is even though there's, there may be a, a shift, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's still, um, there, there's still a huge market. 
Awesome, awesome. Well, we need to leave it here. Would have loved to hear your your, your take on the new Azure uh, continuity product, but but we'll uh, we'll save that for uh, another investor day in the future. We're uh, we're about out of time. <laughs> All right. Well, Ryan, back over to you. Thanks for your time. Yep. Thanks, Chris. Great, uh, great session there with our MSP partners. Now we're going to move to our first Q&A session. I'd like to welcome back Tim, Bob, and Sanjay, who you heard from before. We're also going to be joined by our Chief Product Officer, Radesh Menon. Um, for those of you in the room, we'll have live uh, mics for questions. Uh, everyone on the webcast, please submit your questions via the console, and, and I'm going to compile them here. Um, so I'm going to hand it over to Tim now and, and uh, get things going. We have some... Just socket right down here in the front row. Good student, There we go. At data, we throw the mics. That's literally how we roll. So. Is, this, is this on? Excellent. It is. Okay. Sorry. Um, yeah, this is a great mic. Um, so anyway, uh, first and foremost, thank you very much for, for hosting the session. Very helpful and great to see everybody again in person. Um, I've got two questions. Uh, the first one is for you, Sanjay. Um, uh, Datto has 18,000 partners. You know, great to see great growth over the last couple of years. I think the slide deck showed that there are about 132,000 partners out there, sort of total TAM, if you will. Who do you view as sort of the two or three competitors that Datto needs to displace to continue chipping away at that 132,000? Yeah. Okay, that's the first question. Second question, maybe for for you, Tim. Um, that was great product data, right? Just breaking it out. That was a great new disclosure. You know, uh, I'm curious, uh, particularly the SaaS protection, the size of the SaaS protection business, right, and the growth rate. Yeah. I'm curious, how long did it take Datto to build up to roughly that scale? And how, if, if at all, would you compare the ramp of that to the upcoming ramp of the Azure product, if you will, understanding it's early? Do, okay. do those make sense? Yeah, they both make sense. You want to try the MSP? Yeah, so I'll, I'll keep it short, Saket. Uh, think about it from two, two key dimensions, right? One is, in that number, how is the MSP moving from a break fix to a recurring revenue? So part of our strategy that we drive is really that having them build that, that piece. The second piece is where we really do a lot of growth is really driven by legacy technology being moved to a cloud native technology for us, right? So those are the two drivers. So every time either we engage with them or they reach out to us, those two become the real drivers. So that's how we think about that. But the key is, that's why, if you think about what I talked about, segmentation, so we literally really drive a multi-pronged strategy focused on those pieces. So you keep educating the bigger pool of 132, and as that, you no, know, it's like a class. Some of them break out, they come into the second category, then we grow with them, but then you have larger ones, and there, like, it's it's the traditional players that I put on the list, right? That's a That's a hand-to-hand -hand combat, so to say, at the larger level, okay? But you'd say it's not uncommon to have two players in an MSP. You're never going to be the yeah. only yeah. provider, so you're trying to yeah. win based on a certain product, and then yeah. you bring over the rest. Yeah. Um, so on your other questions, a great question, by the way. I mean, it took some number of years to get uh, continuity out of the garage, so to speak. I think that was early days, though, where you're meeting one MSP at a time. He's got a global army at this point in marketing, and the tech speaks for itself. Um, you know, when you think about SaaS, we did a small acquisition. We're very typical for us, right? We'll, we'll buy a small company and a product if we didn't build it ourselves um, years ago. Before I got here, I've been here almost five years now. So, um, and, and kind of got it fit for MSPs and then, uh, you know, a couple of years of sort of building product market fit. 
um, and off it went. RMM came in, went with PSA really naturally in the early days. Everybody starts with a PSA of some sort, and, and that's very different now in the industry, but in those days, you get a PSA, and we started to cross-sell RMM into that. Now, RMM is a, by far you know, the bigger, better standalone product, and it might go the other way, land the RMM, then pull the PSA over. But with the advent and rise of security in the last few years, RMM is that kind of tip of the spear. You know, I, I, I tried to tell you a bit why they're together, and we can talk more about that, you know, if it's interesting. But when you think about Azure, um, I think a couple things. One is we now have an unimpeachable, you know, decade-plus-long track record and continuity. That's on the positive side. Want to use data, right? We had, uh, you know, 75 partners in the beta. They're all ready to go. I think working against that is... Uh, you know, unlike enterprise, uh, Barclays Bank, uh, you know, MSPs aren't all just lifting and shifting to Azure. I heard Kevin just describe it. I didn't know that story. But when you've got a target that's in Azure, then it's, you know, okay, I want to get data continuity into there. But if you're, if you're thinking about their lifting and shifting, we're one of five elements of the value chain. They've got to figure out the pricing. They've got to figure out, you know, who's going to migrate them. Do they have the text to operate and run? So I think this in the early days will be more about product market fit, finding those first few hundred MSPs. You know, that'd probably be the, the, the thing we'd be signaling to everybody more. Uh, we've already had some come back for more workloads, though. Once they get on and understand the solution, this is even much easier than pre-existing continuity solutions. You just log into a dashboard a couple of clicks, and you're live. Do a restore, a couple clicks more. Oh, it's the same dashboard I've been using all the way along. So, you know, I think it probably ramps a little, what's the right word, a little longer, takes a little longer than some of the other more pure digital products, but then it starts coming on a lot faster. And the price points are obviously fantastic. So once it gets going, um, I, I think it grows as faster, faster. Does that help sort of characterize it? Very helpful, yes. Okay, thank you. great. Over here in the back. Oh, sorry. No, next. Okay, you're going over. Okay. All right, let's go Sanjay, Sanjit and uh, Kirk. I'm sorry, behind the masks and Koji. I guess we've got you, okay. you want me to throw it's a mask this? game. This is like a puzzle. You want me to throw this thing all the yeah. way across the side? Yeah, there you go. Go, go ahead, Sanjit. I heard my uh, Brady impersonation. Um, thank you for all the great content today. Um, really well laid out story. And I think the theme that I took away is that security is important. It's more important than ever for this community. And you guys are going to have a lot of things to say in the in the security space. And so, in terms of framing out the opportunity, I had a couple of questions. I apologize up front, but if we looked at a continuity customer, and assuming no uh, continuity um, um, uh, MSP, and assuming that they didn't add any more customers, and you just sort of assumed that you know the number of users and the number of end customers were sort of fixed, all of your security products. You know, if we assume like they're starting at $100,000, where does that spend go to with yeah. existing MSP? Yeah, so I'll, I'll repeat the question. It, you know, if you've got X dollars for continuity and all other things being equal, where could that spend go with all, our whole stack of, of security today? You know, it's a very hard question because the end client really matters, right? So if they're, um, you know, a, a very complex end user continuity uh, where the applications and the data are large, but they don't have that many employees, very different story than somebody who's got lots of employees. You've got a university client, you know, believe me, you're loving the SaaS and RMM, lots of endpoints, lots of users, probably not as many interesting applications. So that's the first thing I'd say. But, uh, you know, I would think if we looked across our base, we feel like there's similar orders of magnitude today in terms of target opportunity. And as you add more security on, it probably starts to get bigger. The question that you'd be able to answer better than me, but that I have painted for MSPs, is we've thought 
in the aughts, let's say, about security as a couple of bucks a month antivirus. Now we're kind of into this first plus per user. If you pay Salesforce or ServiceNow or pick your favorite kind of enterprise SaaS vendor, $100 plus per seat for that tool, I don't know why you wouldn't be paying your security. I'm guessing big hospital groups already think about, you know, $100 per month per seat for security. SMBs are probably, you know, thinking five to 10. Wow, 25 seems expensive. I forget who it was, Peter, I guess, that said, you got to get a different IT budget from a security budget, right? They're, they're, they're different animals. That's going to be an evolution. So I would think security is ultimately meaningfully bigger, but I think we'd have trouble today characterizing it as, as sort of different, you know, and I, I think, but we, we definitely have partners that are as big on the RMM SaaS side as they are on the continuity side or bigger for sure. And then we've got the opposite too. And right. so, so sticking with the security team, I'll, I'll bundle two questions in hopefully they're, they're relatively straightforward. If we think about um, the competitive landscape that Sanjay, Sanjay sort of outlined, one of the groups that was missing was the MSS piece yeah. and how they sort of, are also going to be targeting this opportunity. If you could yep. sort of explain, like, the differentiation, the competitive dynamics that would allow yeah. you guys to Yeah, work so there. the question, I don't know if this mic is working, by the way, guys, so I'll repeat the question. The question is MSSP, two S's, uh, versus MSP, and I'm going to ask Bob to make some comments at a sort of technical level here. I made a point in my DattoCon keynote, which I think is still on our website, that most MSPs who are client-facing are not going to be MSSPs, right? It's a little silly to think that those 18,000 partners are all going to staff five, six, seven, eight security experts. When we struggle to find the people, even though we do, you know, how are they all going to do that? So they're going to hire an escalation firm of MSSP, which is kind of who you call when you've been breached and something goes bad, right? There's only one mandiant for the big enterprise, and now you're seeing you know, there'll be a couple hundred legitimate MSSPs. But, Bob, do you want to just layer in some, some kind of technical views on that? Yeah, I, I think the, the landscape is about to evolve fairly rapidly over the next two to four years. You know, today what we're seeing are MSSPs who are um, using largely enterprise tools in their own uh, internal expertise to try to subcontract for security services to MSPs. Okay. I think what will ultimately happen is what we've been seeing in continuity as well, which is that as MSPs become more capable with deploying um, the basics, the basic core platforms, that the vendors who are able to, like Datto, provide um, co-managed opportunities to MSSPs will prosper because the MSSPs won't have to step in with a de novo tool set that the MSP's never seen before, they could attach, right? And I think there's a vision we have that we're going to be very MSSP friendly because as we grow our base, they're going to get special access to the tools too. Mm -hmm. And those tools are going to feel appropriate to their role. Um, so I think it's really exciting because this is one of those markets that's going to move fast in terms of what the standard of practice is. Right. And then the last one, and I'll see the floor. Um, you got a slide around 2024 and the billion dollars in revenue, and I was trying to get out my ruler and sort of measure what that meant in terms of security as a percentage of mix. Any sort of comments there on how should we think about security as a percentage of revenue to get to that, that billion dollar target? And more longer term, do you see security becoming the majority of revenue at Dido? 
that, that's it for me. Yeah, so I just want to bet. I said one of the first three analysts would ask if they can get out a ruler and measure the size. So I, I specifically said illustrative example, but, you know, if you start rolling forward growth rates, you get, you see the diversification, which was kind of the key. Yeah, it's a hard question to answer because obviously, you know, as a, as a head of product, Radesh, you know, love, loves all of his children. And so, you know, all of those have a security angling a couple times as being sort of very nascent and ventures for us. But you won't be surprised to learn we're only interested in the security elements of that, the software defined networking pieces. So, you know, if you're talking specifically about that RMM SAS grouping, it starts to look, you know, in a few years like order magnitude, you know, what, what you're seeing in the core. But, you know, it's one of those things. I, I was just stunned this year. I saw Benioff's picture up on the wall there. You know, Salesforce, Sales Cloud, Service Cloud, Marketing Cloud, Force.com, all a quarter, 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 quarter. I remember when they had like 50 bucks of revenue, right? And I, I think the, the big sort of you add another one on, it grows to a new core. You add another one, and that's how we sort of uh, would, would think about that. So let me get over to Kirk here. I think he was next up, and uh, this mic hopefully is on. <laughs> Great. Whoa. Whoa, more than on. Hot mic, sorry. <laughs> uh, well, I'll echo my uh, thanks for all the information today. You know, Sanjay, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about just the dynamics of you know, how MSPs are able to take on a larger portfolio of products from you, meaning I thought the cohort analysis was really interesting in terms of still landing with about 8,000, but as Tim just alluded to, you know, it seems they're going to have to spend a lot more perhaps or work with their clients to spend a lot more, you know, in terms of multiple products to sort of secure the organization, you know, do all the things that their clients are asking them for. So what's the opportunity for you to have bigger lands over the next couple of years? And maybe could you just talk about some of the gating factors there, whether it's, you know, pre-existing contracts with other, you know, technology vendors, things like that. Thanks. Good. Um, so I'll, I'll start and, and Tim, will, you, you can add a little color. So I think first and foremost, if you really think about how we work with the MSPs is a lot of our strategy is around driving that sell-through velocity of the business, right? So when you look at security and, and the way we're designing our, our portfolio, it is all around maximizing margin for them in that stack. So when you go to any of these MSPs and you look at what their business plans look like for the next couple of years, it's all about them pivoting to security and then wrap on top of it the work that Ryan and team are doing. We've become a big enabler of how they should be thinking about um, security within their own day-to-day -day operations, right? And then the whole program around for, for us is how do we take all of that and enable their teams to go pitch that product, go drive that solution in, in that piece. The beauty of, of the MSP uh, model here is that once where we focus a lot of time is having them flip that decision-making, right? Because once they flip the decision and say, yep, we're moving from here, we need to add this compelling event that has happened with the SMB or they're seeing something on the ecosystem. And we, our, our goal is just a high amount of education, a high amount of thought leadership for them to grow and develop. Uh, we actually bring them in-house to really learn and enable that. So I think that's the macro. On the bigger level, uh, I think it's a lot about mapping their tech stack of what they're trying to do with our roadmaps and our tech stack. So over time, as, as we move from, you know, if you look at Dado's history from single product to multi-product, we've become much more um, uh, kind of uh, integrated in thematic roadmap 
um, uh, elements of what we're bringing in the product because what they're trying to do is as they go out acquire new clients as they're thinking about getting off of legacy solutions they want to embed that into the picture so Tim I don't know if you want to add anything. no I don't have a, a, a lot to add there I think in the interest of time let's go over here we had a hand and maybe get one from the from the webcast if we can and then we'll probably call it there and, and we'll we'll be back for another Q&A yeah uh, just Thanks for doing this, guys. Koji from uh, Bank of America. So thinking about that $1 billion target, kind of that you know, return to 20% growth, I, look, I looked at that slide that has about 1,000 you know, MSPs added per quarter. I mean, I guess the first part of the question is, can you get to back to 20% growth and that $1 billion target just by adding 1,000 a quarter from here on out? And then the second part of the question is, you know, what would it take to get that 1,000 maybe to 1200 or 1500 a quarter. I mean, how should we be thinking about a catalyst there? Is that product driven? Is that sales driven? Yeah. You know, can it get to 1500? Can it get to 2000? I'm going to save that one for John, um, just because I know he's done a lot of work on, on kind of the dynamics of MSPs. We had a little bit of a, a higher churn last summer in the pandemic, but the gross ads kept very strong. And so if you don't mind, I'm going to table that. The one comment I would make there is, if you think about that cohort growth, the MSP you add today, you know, really starts kicking in. You look at year four, that cohort's up 4x, 5x. So it's an odd model that if you added no MSPs, you're still going to grow for a long, long time. It's cutting the, the power to the aircraft carrier, and it just glides. And so the MSPs you add today in, in some ways are building up, you know, your growth beyond a billion dollars every bit as much as as is in there. But John's got a couple specific slides on that if, you'll, if, if you're willing to indulge us. If you want to make just comment on, how you might think about taking MSPs up. I would think international, but, you know, the product yeah, no, side helps too. Yeah, I mean, that, that was kind of in my talk track earlier, right? I said I think that's where we see you know, incremental opportunities going on. We're laying the foundation in a bunch of new markets right now. So I think direction of travel, that, that seems like where, where we'll end up. Okay. Let's do one more. Uh, I guess all right, we'll do one more from the room, then we do have to jump in. Right. We'll, uh, maybe you can bring Radesh back up uh, on yeah. the second panel. So, yeah, go ahead. Just yeah, thanks, sir. It's uh, Nehal Choksi from uh, Northland Capital Markets. i got a few yeah. for Bob here. Um, so could you just do a quick 101 for us here real quickly and just uh, educate us real basically on the difference between image versus file, and then hopefully they'll also answer a question on, why that means your restoration will be more re reliable. Sure. Yeah, that, thank you. That's a great question. Um, so, first of all, what's an image backup? An image backup, uh, at, at least the way they're done at data, is what's called application consistent. So it means if you look at the virtual machine, it's running some line of business application for the lawyer. Uh, and it's got its databases open, and it's got a bunch of files in memory that haven't been flushed to disk yet. The first thing we do, and it only takes a few seconds, is we quiesce the entire machine and create a consistent state. And Datto has some proprietary technology that allows us to do that in literally just a few seconds. Now what you have is a state that's clean, so that if you restart that machine, your tables in the database actually match maybe those external fire files that were linked to that, and they're not out of sync, which can result in lots of bad things happening. Contrast that to the traditional file and folder backup, there you're, it's anybody's guess. You may not be quiescing the machine. You're trying to copy files as they change and bring those deltas in. And our experience has been that file and folder makes a lot more sense for lower value endpoints, like somebody's laptop, where you're literally just looking at what's in their documents folder. And, you know, it's okay if it's not perfectly synced. You're getting back the last version that they hit save on. 
versus a line of business application where it's absolutely critical to be application consistent. And, and so for that reason, you'll see that MSPs, or at least MSPs that are in the continuity business, just don't use fire and folder on virtual machines in line of business. It's just not the industry standard. Okay. Um, so then uh, what about the efficiency of an image-based backup relative to a file-based backup? Uh, I believe there is some efficiency differential. Have you benchmarked that? What's, what's yeah. the, the differential there? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, data is data. And so you have to get a – first thing you have to do is get a baseline snapshot the very first time you do it, and that's sort of the largest amount of data that you'll ever collect in one, at one time. Uh, but then at that point, everything is, is, is differential. So it's only the blocks that have changed. And um, my background is data storage optimization, so it's a particular passion of mine. And I can tell you that at, at, uh, at Datto, we use some very advanced data encoding and compression technology in our cloud. And um, uh, we have, uh, without giving away too much, we have really amazing efficiency. And so not only do we have great efficiency with data at rest, we have um, proprietary replication technology that makes those data streams coming from the virtual machines very compact as well. And so I'd, I'd say we're in a, in a very uh, good place there right now, but it probably wouldn't surprise you if I were to tell you that we actually think there's even more room for improvement over the next couple of years that will improve those operating margins even further. Great. We go for one more, one more of the webcast, maybe. Sure, maybe, just, maybe just one um, for Bob and, and Radesh. Uh, first on SaaS defense, do you anticipate needing to displace another product you, um, at that MSP? And then as a follow-up, what's next from a security product standpoint? Yeah, Radesh, you want to? Sure. Yeah. So that's a little bit of a tricky question because I think as you must have listened to every single presenter before. Security is going to be pervasive in everything that we're going to be doing, right? And then second thing you must have noticed is continuity is the last line of defense in any effective security strategy. So, of course, we will be making sure that security innovation is happening and continuity will be innovated on since we are already a premier provider there. But to the core of the question in terms of, hey, what else security products are, um, uh, earlier, Tim talked about the two sockets that we are finding as very attractive to attach to. One is the per seat, right? And the other one is the per endpoint. So that's one hint. The second thing is uh, Bob also earlier walked through the NIST framework. And if you really look at the voice of the partner feedback we are getting, where they are seeing the most pain is in the detect and response. So in the earlier stages of the NIST cycle, where you're protecting, detecting, and responding, especially detect and respond, there's a lot of opportunity to improve the scale, automation, and efficacy. So, so these are the problem spaces we cannot look in at it, and I don't want to go uh, beyond that and say yeah. something that I will regret. So, oh, that's fine. And narrowly, I think I think there was a question in there about SAS defense yeah. too. And yeah. Bob, yeah, you, you let hit me that. take that. That's an easy one. I, I showed you sort of the charts during my talk to talk about white space. And I think one of the things that really motivated us to focus on SaaS defense as our, as our first opportunity was that uh, we believe there's a lot of greenfield there, uh, that it's not first and foremost a displacement play. There's a lot of room to run with this MSP-specific solution, even if the MSP wants to sell, you name it, 
enterprise solution to some specific VIPs that have very specific requirements. They can sit alongside each other very comfortably, and it's going to unlock more value for the MSP uh, in, the sh in the short term. So, yeah. In the hallway, why do you group RMM and SAS protection together? And, and the answer is that's how we think about it. Uh, and, you know, you redesh it on a, a new word for me, socket. That's what I call it, a vessel for both for security, but they're also driven the user. And so increasingly, I think it's not exaggerating to say they might even start to converge a little bit. Uh, certainly, you're starting to see some bundles that get interesting. The MSPs think about that as their main vector, right? And we're going to charge you X dollars per employee per month to be your MSP. Oh, and you're running some complex applications? Well, we'll have to price those over here. That's their drivers, too. I kept saying everything's the MSP lens for us. That's how they price. That's how we price. So those are two very, very similar products and, you know, tip of the spear for us in security. So we'll have John and Nat back up and uh, at the end and, and can definitely field some more questions. But I think uh, in the interest of time, we probably are yeah. up to a break maybe. Yeah, we're ready for a break. We're going to have a short five-minute break and then be back here with the last presentation of the day. Financials. <laughs> the most important one. Yeah.
All right, we're ready to go again after a, a very short break. But now I'd like to welcome our CFO, John Abbott. Great. Thank you, Ryan. I'm John Abbott, the Chief Financial Officer at Datto. It's great to be here, and uh, thanks again, everybody, for your time. I know we're running a few minutes late, but um, I know everybody's been waiting at the end, so we figured that would... That would uh, have people stick around. So what I'd like to do this afternoon is take everything that you've heard from Bob and Sanjay and Tim and pull that together um, with more of a financial uh, overlay to it. So there are three parts to my presentation. First, we have a very strong combination of growth and profitability in the math to surpassing a billion dollars in revenue in 2024, and I'll show you how we get there, and that, I think, gets to uh, maybe Koji's question earlier. Um, and finally, I'll talk about how we expect to be a rule of 40 company in the near term, moving to a rule of 50 company uh, in the longer term. Here's a quick snapshot of where the business is today. We have strong growth at scale at 19% subscription revenue growth year to date and trailing 12 months subscription revenue in excess of $550 million. The model's highly predictable with recurring subscription revenue making up 93% of the total revenue. Our profitability is very high with 30% adjusted EBITDA margins and net revenue retention is high at 115%. Pre-COVID, net revenue retention was 119% and it declined during the pandemic, bottoming out at 111% at the end of 2020. But it's been Today, we're at nearly 70 million uh, year-to-date through the end of Q3. Thought it might be helpful to level set on some of the foundations of our business model, because I know some of you may be new to Datto. First, we're a classic SaaS subscription model business. The vast majority of our revenue comes from subscriptions, 
that have annual and multi-year initial terms. And we bill for our services monthly in advance. And as you heard from Tim, our revenue scales based on factors that are naturally expanding and growing, such as protected application workloads, SMB endpoints, um, and uh, the number of employees at the end SMB customers. So our continuity product is priced based on protected application workloads. So that grows, the revenue there grows as SMBs add or expand applications and workloads. If they're adding another e-partners, protecting it with another continuity subscription. SaaS protection and defense is priced based on users. So this grows with all those M365 licenses. As a law firm adds an employee, our MSP partners ensure its continuity with SaaS protection and defense. RMM is priced based on endpoints. So this grows as the SMBs add PCs and servers. And then lastly, PSA is priced based on the licensed seats at the, MS, at the MSP themselves. So you can see how our revenue scales nicely as applications, seats, endpoints grow continuously. In many cases, without us doing anything given the channel model. Now let's look at some of the very strong trends in the business today, beginning with ARR. ARR has been, been growing very consistently over the past three years at a 21% compound annual growth rate, often an already substantial base in 2018 of $350 million, and now, of course, we're at $627 million. Growth in the most recent quarter was 20% year over year, and our growth has been accelerating throughout 2021. ARR is a leading indicator of subscription business, uh, of subscription revenue. So on this slide, we show subscription revenue, which has also been growing strongly at 20% compound annual growth rate over time, and also grew 20% year over year in the most recent quarter. Our total revenue over the last 12 months was $593 million, and 93% of that was from recurring subscriptions. Let's zoom in on the quarterly change in ARR, or net new ARR. This is the amount of ARR that we add each quarter. Management's very focused on this because it's a proxy for net bookings in a quarter. In this view, you can clearly see the impact of COVID. Despite the impact of COVID, though, you can also see that we continued to grow ARR through the pandemic, but the rate of growth slowed. From the lows of Q2 last year, we've been re-accelerating steadily and added $29 million of net new ARR in the most recent quarter, which is back to the peak levels we saw pre-pandemic. Now let's look at subscription revenue growth, backing out any impact from foreign exchange. Subscription revenue growth, again, lags change in ARR. And as we can see here, that subscription revenue growth bottomed out in Q1 of this year, three quarters after the low point of net new ARR. Since then, subscription revenue growth has been reaccelerating, following that reacceleration we've seen in net new ARR. Given the lag between adding net new ARR and seeing that flow through to subscription revenue, it'll take a few more quarters to see subscription revenue growth in constant currency terms reach 
but we're on the right path and we feel confident that we'll get there. Here's a look at the relative sizes of these products based on subscription revenue, which I know many of you have been asking about. We won't break this out on a quarterly basis, but we'll provide updates uh, from time to time. Our core continuity business at $335 million still represents the majority of our revenue. And user and endpoint security, or SaaS protection and RMM, at $120 million represents over 20%. So our revenue is nicely diversified across products. And you can see on the next slide, our growth is also diversified across products. Our core continuity business is growing steadily in the mid-teens, and that's up from growth rates last year. And we've seen new bookings up nicely this year, and that's a good leading indicator of revenue growth over the next 12 months. The outlook for BCDR remains robust, as you heard from Bob earlier, and we just launched data continuity for growth in the foreseeable future. Next, we have PSA and Other, which is also growing nicely in the mid-teens, with data commerce and networking acting as growth accelerators over the low 40s. The end markets for these are massive and growing fast, and we'll continue to layer additional security products on top of these to drive further growth. So the outlook here is really exciting. In addition to the product growth perspective, if we look at growth geographically, we, can, we see that both the U.S. and international are accelerating. International is growing faster than the U.S., and we expect that to continue. You'll also note that international accounts for 30% of the revenue today, and we'll, of course, see that mix continuing to shift toward the faster-growing international revenue over time. In addition to great growth, we have very strong profitability that have risen into the mid-70s uh, percent range over the last few years. And we have really attractive EBITDA margins, which have also increased to around 30% over the last couple of years. And that highlights the strong underlying profitability of the business. As we look out over the next couple of years, you'll see our investment in future growth, the ramp of our infrastructure to launch new products, and a gradual return to work and more normal pace of travel and commercial activity compress those margins a bit. But we feel very good about the underlying model of, of data. And we're generating strong free cash flow, even though we're actually in a bit of a capital investment cycle today. We have a pristine balance sheet, having paid down all our debt with the proceeds from the IPO, and we're now building cash. We used some of that cash to acquire BitDam and you can see that reflected in the slightly lower cash balance uh, in Q1. But since then, we've continued to build cash and with balances now up over $200 million. Adding to that financial strength, we also have a $200 million undrawn revolver. Now let's shift gears and talk about where the business is headed. We see a clear path to surpassing a billion dollars in revenue in 2024. This is a robust, bottomed-up view based on the multiple growth drivers that Tim and Sanjay walked us through. At a high level, the metrics to watch are growth in the number of MSPs and growth in ARR per MSP. We think MSP count can grow 5 to 10% annually over the next few years, driven by Sanjay's team's partner acquisition efforts, including international expansion 
and improving uh, retention from Chris and his team. We think ARR per MSP can grow 10 to 15% annually over the next few years. This is driven by the channel model that Sanjay walked you through, including more SMBs per MSP, cross-sell, including new products, upsell, and embedded unit growth at the SMB. More, and we see lots of opportunities to grow that number. It's a big market of 132,000 MSPs globally, growing 3.5% per year. That means there are about 5,000 net of any consolidation. Today, we're 14% penetrated. We can reach our targets of 5 to 10% MSP count growth and still be below 20% watches ARR per MSP. And as you see, this has been growing consistently over the last several years, and year-to-date has grown 13%. And ARR per MSP is an important metric because it shows the leverage from the, ch that the, ch from the channel model is working. And the vast majority of the growth each year comes from existing partners. It's important to remember, new partners generally start small, remember that $8,000, and grow over time. This shows the number of partners we have with greater than $100,000 in ARR, and this has been growing nicely as well. We grew this group nearly 24% over last year, and the average ARR in this group was $230,000 at September 30th. This all shows the power of the channel model. Another metric that's very relevant for growing ARR per MSP is the net revenue retention. By the end of Q3, we had driven that back up to 115% from the COVID low of 111% at the end of last year. And we think there's room for this, for this to continue to move up. Our channel model protects us from churn and allows us to have better net revenue retention than some direct-to-SMB competitors. You may recognize the rainbow cohort chart from the IPO. It shows how MSP partners are brought on board the platform each year and drive growth as they mature over time. The color slices represent classes or cohorts of MSPs that we add each year and the ARR that they contribute over time. After a few years, Every cohort is delivering multiples of its first-year ARR, and even the oldest cohorts are still growing. We've talked about the many drivers of ARR expansion with an MSP partner, and of course, layering in a new cohort of MSPs each year creates that compounding effect and drives our long-term sustainable growth. So to wrap up on ARR per MSP, we see tremendous opportunity for this to grow over time, driven by all the vectors we've talked about. In this chart, we wanted to put it all together to illustrate the opportunity. Remember, the, from left to right, the new MSPs start small, right? This, this cohort, first-year cohort, averaging $8,000 of ARR per MSP. The overall company average is $34,000. Right, so that's right, 4x the first year number. The 2013 cohort, which is sort of eight year anniversary or at the eight year mark, right, is, is averaging $75,000 per MSP. So there's an opportunity to double the company average over the next few years. And finally, 
Remember those part $30,000, which is 30 times the ARR in year one and over six times the current average. So there's tremendous room for growth in ARR per MSP, and we're very confident in the 10 days or in the early stages. We believe Datto is particularly well positioned to take advantage of that opportunity, so we're investing in the business. We believe that investment will take us back to sustainable 20% growth and consistent with our previous communications over the next year or two, EBITDA margins will be in the low to mid 20% range as we ramp our investment and as the world returns to a more normal pace of activity. We'll obviously provide specific guidance on 2022 in the first quarter next year, but based on what we've said today about revenue growth and investing in the business, you should expect that we'll continue to be a rule of 40 company in 2022. Our view on the long-term opportunity really hasn't changed. Our unit economics and gross margins are strong, and we expect to realize benefits from further operating leverage over time. And we've shown that we can take EBITDA margins well above 30% when we aren't driving investment in new products and growth opportunities. To wrap up the financial section, we believe we have an attractive business model that combines strong growth and profitability at scale. There's a massive market opportunity and that we're particularly well positioned to take advantage of that. We believe there's a clear path to a billion dollars of revenue in 2024 and we're easily a rule of 40 company today and in the near term and longer term, we're driving the business to a rule of 50 model. Thank you. That's the end of the financial section, and I think um, we're going to move to the next uh, Q&A session. I think uh, Tim, Ryan, Nat are all coming back up on stage uh, for this portion. Okay. If there are any questions left after that. so. <laughs> Sorry? No. We've saved 60 seconds for your financial questions. Yeah, that's right. Sort of like a press release yeah, I think five on a Friday. We have, plenty yeah. <laughs> we, we have plenty of time. So are there hands in the room uh, to get rolling? Yeah. Flip the mic over here. Beautiful. Great. I uh, was wondering what this was when I walked in. So uh, thanks for this. This has been great, guys. Uh, great to be in person here. Uh, I wanted to double click here on uh, the new TAM. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this might be the first time you guys had said $36 billion. Would love to know what's incremental from the original 28 estimate. And the, the second part of that question is, you know, we, we heard about the pizza chain from one of your MSP panelists who hadn't had any Azure type of continuity solution in place. Uh, as we think about that opportunity, what percentage of that opportunity do we view as greenfield versus there's something that might be in place by Microsoft, Veeam, or any other solution? Yeah, give me that last piece again. You said we heard about what, what from the, the MSP? Pizza chain. That, pizza uh, chain. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you said yeah. peace chain. Mondani okay. Talked about. Um, yeah. Mr. Tam, you want to do the Tam thing, and then yeah. we can hit the. Yeah, I, I can. I can definitely do that. So, you know, first of all, we we talked about the MSP market growing, at, it being 193. Uh, billion of that $1.3 trillion of SMBIT spend, and we're riding that wave. You heard from one of our, our one of the MSPs on the panel about not feeling like there's any sort of cap on, on their opportunity. It was really more about responsibly delivering. So for us, there's just tons of white space out there. The TAM has expanded uh, over the last couple of years. We've introduced some new products. We've entered some new, new geos, and as we as we uh, introduce more new products and enter new, more new, new geos, that's going to expand the TAM even more. So that's, that has been growing, and it is going to continue to grow, which is part of why we have confidence in 
being able to grow faster than the growth of the, the market overall. We're taking share. We're the biggest in, in the MSP space and taking share. Many of you probably know Nat from, uh, I don't know, how far back do we go? A few, few years ago, we started doing non-deal roadshows, and I called him Mr. Tam because he had to read more analyst reports than we could think of to build that up, and uh, I thought that was a great summary. Uh, you know, you mentioned the pizza chain, and, uh, you know, I was talking in the hallway with somebody about co-managed. I just had a quick slide. We don't dwell on that, but it's there. Um, I was fascinated. I didn't know the examples. These guys were going to use um, several enterprise names, right? This is not necessarily walking up the, the you know, the driveway of, of the big corporate and going to the CIO. That sounded like Kevin might. I mean, MSPs do have chutzpah, and they'll try anything. But you're either slicing off a piece, the co-managed, right? The IT department can't get what they need, or you're coming in as an expert with certain solutions. It's not unheard of, for example, in our SaaS protection for an MSP to win a university. They're obviously not becoming the entire IT department for that university, but if they go in and say, we're specialists in M365, we won't lose any of your data, then come right back around with SAS Defense and say, by the way, we'd like to do the application security too. It's completely non-threatening and it gives the CIO leverage. What we don't do is, you know, generally call directly on the CIO and we certainly don't build, you know, enterprise. If they say, oh, we use EMC for such and such, and we need these other 11 features, we just say, you know, stay, stay with them, right? We don't want to get down that long tail feature race. But you heard, Bob, I mean, the reliability, the security, the scalability, SMBs need the same. It just comes without all those whistles and bells. And if I hear things like, does this integrate to MuleSoft, it's an immediate, like, no, it doesn't. You know, you must be thinking about an enterprise kind of a play. So that, that's how I characterize it. Everything's kind of on the table, but only with our MSPs. I call it kind of medium enterprise, medium government, you know, medium EDU is, is sort of the where they go. Yes, second. Yep. A couple more over here then, too. Thanks. Um, John, very helpful section. Th th thanks again. Um, you know, uh, uh, I was curious if you could talk a little bit about that CapEx as a percentage of revenue, right? I think you said it's about 7% of revenue now, going down to 5% as part of your, your long-term model. It's great to see. You know, I was wondering if you could just reconcile kind of how you get that leverage on, on, on CapEx percentage revenue, particularly with some of the international growth and, you know, having that failover and stuff. And, and maybe that part of that question is for you, Tim, just in terms of how does the infrastructure that you provide for MSP backup change over time? Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, John can give you the numbers. You know, that CapEx is really is driven largely by um, servers that we buy for the data cloud. Right, and Bob and his team are constantly uh, evaluating the approach there. You even heard Bob talking about it, efficient ways to, to manage that and, and store data. Um, and they're continually um, coming up with other ways to do that, to do it more efficiently and effectively, you know, reduce our cost per terabyte. Um, and that has driven um, strong, um, not only increase in gross margins, but reductions in, in CapEx. Uh, and we would expect we'll continue to do that. I would think about it just like other SaaS software. I was just slacking somebody. I load an attachment up, they've got a cloud somewhere. You, load, you do an Adobe scan, they've got a cloud somewhere. There's no reason to think the math long-term CapEx of percent of revenue is different. We've got a lot more scale than most of those names in our cloud, not than Google or Microsoft, some of the hyperscalers, but we've got a lot of scale, and we have expertise in particular and chose to run that. Others might choose to outsource that, and they just pay a little more. So maybe you're getting a little more OPEX, a little less CAPEX. But that kind of mid-single digit, I think you'll tell us, is common across a wide variety of SaaS application companies. And we, we don't see anything in the model that's, that's different than that, if that makes Got sense. Got it. Yeah, thank you.
Great. Anusha, from front here, and then maybe Sanjit after that, and Nahal. We've got a whole lineup. <laughs> They're all in collusion. <laughs> hey, um, my name is Anusha. Um, I'm from RBC. Um, so I wanted to ask you about international expansion. You noted that as a long-term driver. Could you elaborate on the opportunity there? And then how does the pace of digitization in the SMB segment compare internationally versus the U.S.? Yeah, so a question about international and SMB. Guys, I think this mic needs to go up a little bit. Um, you know, in, in many ways it's the same. You know, do they need to do continuity? Do they need uh, application security? Yes, yes, yes. The, the demand set is all the same. Um, what we have found are a couple of things. One is it's always a little more difficult to operate outside your home market, and we're now in you know, a dozen-plus countries, so we've gotten a lot better. But every one of them has a nuance, whether it's language you know, for the platform, you know, reading right to left, <laughs> field sizes, all the usual sort of stuff of internationalization. And then you'll find distribution sometimes is different in different markets. So Japan could be very different than a Germany or Brazil. And always MSPs, but what is called an MSP, small, big. A good example, some European countries you'll have an MSP layer that's more service desk. They want to get the M365, the laptop, take care of the user dimension I talked about. And then there's maybe a systems house running the application side. And you could have two people in, uh, in, that, you know, in, a, in a market, right? I once had a, a German CRO friend tell me there's no small business in Germany. It's all medium or above, right? And we, we had a long conversation about what that means. So you have to tailor at that level. And so, you know, it's not quite like a consumer play where you just sweep to 100 countries in a, in a couple of weeks by changing the language. But we're well down the path on that. I don't, I don't know if Sanjay mentioned he, uh, he ran uh, and really built and ran up at hundreds of millions of scale Akamai's uh, APAC, you know, operation out of Bangalore and, and Singapore. And so like, we, we definitely have the right people in place. And um, for us, we've just done so well in our existing markets that, you know, we expose some new ones each year. But it's not, uh, you know, it's not this pure sprint. Does, does that sort of help characterize it? But we don't see anything at the end user level that feels any different to us. Sanjay? Um, thank you for taking the questions. I had two, one for John, one for you, Tim. Uh, starting with John, could you give us a sense of what the 100K customer cohort is contributing as a percentage of ARR and how much new customers in a given year contribute as a percentage of ARR? That was my question for you. And then for Tim, uh, in terms of Azure continuity, it's been out for a couple of months. Could you sort of give us a sense of what the feedback traction has been like and give us your opinion on whether this is sort of an incremental accelerant to the continuity per uh, continuity portfolio, or does it fundamentally change the growth trajectory in the yeah. core? Yeah. Great. Yeah. Want to do the? Yeah, I'll start with uh, the cohort of MSPs greater than 100,000. That's about 45% of our total ARR. So the those larger partners, you know, really play a significant role, and um, many of them got to that size over many, many years, though. And the new would be 5%. The, the customers do. The customers that you add on in, a, in the, the the new MSPs that you add the on. new class that's just coming on board yeah, uh, would be would be tiny, insignificant, right? Because you're you're talking about you know five six percent. I think the growth last year was six percent at eight thousand dollars, right? It's going to be it's going to be tiny. Okay. So. Yeah. And so um, so Azure's going about as we expected. It's uh, you know as I said, I think in in one of the earlier questions, you know it's it's not an enterprise product, but it's got the 
that enterprise feel where it's a new category, right? It's not like, oh, I had this load here, I'm just moving it this weekend. And there's going to be every bit as many value chain elements for MSPs. I've even talked going back a year ago, we've had MSPs move workloads to Azure and then move back. At the dinner the other night, people were talking about these exact workloads. It was very technical, a little bit outside of my realm. We're moving and these we're keeping, you know, in our data center or in rack space or on-prem. And, you know, they've got very strong mental models. So the number one thing for us right now is we know the solution's performing and we're a couple months in and that's been unimpeachable. Um, and we're getting just very consistent feedback that this is the one. Um, we also know that they don't quite understand the economics. And so what we don't want to do is spend a lot of time teaching people Azure. We don't want to spend a lot of time moving one workload over. And so for us, it's finding the partners that are there in, in, in year one, right? And there's probably some crossing the chasm picture or something about don't go chasing 10,000 MSPs. Find 100 that are good. Find the next 100 that are good. Because we do know even from the first couple that took a workload and said, this is great, they come back for another one, another one, and then they can literally just buy online. Um, so I, I think, you know, maybe February call, I don't know, maybe May call later, we'll be able to give you some signal, so to speak, on, on what that looks like. But it's a very different dynamic. It's absolutely a new product category. Um, to that degree, I don't think you'd want to bake a lot of Azure in to the 22 yeah. number, but, yeah. you know, 23, 24, I mean, once that sucker gets ramped up, uh, it's going to be, you know, we're just going to be on that same tailwind that SMBs are experiencing with Azure. I think somebody asked about that growth rate relative to something like SaaS protection. Yeah. And I think SaaS protection, SaaS defense is a little different because the, I mean, the base that's already there that we know is at the addressable market is just enormous for those, right? Whereas for Azure in the SMB world, the MSP world, um, at this juncture, we think a good bit. And that might be a 30-minute, you know, solutions engineer demo for an MSP, and they go, yep, I got it, I get it, I trust that, I'll check the box, and you're getting paid every day. They had a new employee seat from there. You know, Azure might be the three or four call. I got to know this. I got to try some workloads. Give me a, yeah. a trial. I want to run it for a month, see what happens when I push the button. You know, it feels a little more like early Cirrus BCDR days, but nothing negative so far, not worried about competitive solutions, et cetera. I think we built the right thing. Yeah, in the back. Sorry. Thanks, guys. Um, so uh, first question, I had two questions. Uh, the first one is as the product portfolio has expanded uh, pretty quickly over the past, you know, three, four years here from a handful of products to, you know, close to 10, is there anything around bundling or suites um, or, you know, you can do from a pricing and packaging standpoint to accelerate the adoption, you know, of those multiple yeah, product yeah. MSP partners. Matt, you want to talk a little bit about buying yeah. the pricing? And then let's get a mic over here to oh, the whole Scotland, okay? Yeah, we're, we're doing just that. And we have products that John talked about that scale based on endpoints, products that scale based on uh, seats or users of the SMB, and then products that scale based on the protected application workloads. So there's some, some natural points where we can introduce bundles, and we're doing just that with with ransomware detection on, on top of RMM, with SaaS defense on top of SaaS protection right now. It's certainly opportunity to, to create more bundles, especially as we continue to layer on new offerings on top of those scaling vectors of, of endpoints and, and SMB employees. Great. Why don't we take yeah. one more here in the room and then see what's Sorry, going I, just, on. I had one more. If oh, okay, may. go ahead. Um, Sorry. Just, uh, the second question was around margins. As, um, you know, coming from the 30% or so we're at year-to-date, um, 
versus the low to mid 20s, I think you said, right. you know, going forward. That implies a significant amount of incremental OPEX investment, um, especially given how high your incremental margins are. Yeah. Um, so are there anything abnormal, you know, that you can call out or help us kind of understand or quantify, like travel or, you know, yeah, return to the Yeah, sure. And, and this has been a tough one this year because we've talked about sort of the move to those that level of margins all year, and we haven't, we haven't gotten there yet. You know, Q3 was 28% margin. Right, I think our guidance for Q4 is somewhere in the 24, 25% margin range. So we're finally starting to see, you know, the the run rate effect of those incremental investments flowing through into margin. The other component, which has been particularly tough to forecast or predict, and a little bit out of our our control, is the pace of that return to normal activity in commerce. Right, travel, events, um, office expenses, all of that. We've you know, our original plan and budget for this year, we kind of ramped so that the second half of the year was back to normal, right? And, and we're clearly not back to normal, right? We're all wearing masks. And uh, we're forecasting, you know, in the same sort of manner. I mean, we're certainly traveling more. We're actually meeting in person here today. So we're obviously doing a little bit more of that kind of activity today than we were a year ago. And so it's uh, that's a tougher piece to forecast, but when you it's when you factor that in, run rate of a lot of the investments we've made to date and the continued investment uh, really in growth and to some degree security, our security of our own platform, as you heard Ryan talk about today. We're going to continue to invest in that. We think that's that's a winning move and that helps drive uh, that helps drive business, frankly. And it's right John says you tell us what with whether Omicron, Tau, Zeta or Omega is the last. Uh, yeah, right. The last variant. I'll tell you what my, my OPEX is for reopening and it's been tricky. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, Nahal, what do you think? All right. Yeah, thanks. Uh, two questions. One for John, one for Mr. Tam. Um, <laughs> uh -oh. um, John, uh, your slide deck uh, implies for counter 22 and counter 23, anywhere between a 15 to 25 percent year of year growth rate. A. Why such a wide range, and B, uh, why a potential regression from when you just posted 20% year-over-year growth here? With your, the the setup of the question, I missed a little bit. Which slide implied 15 to 20%? That so illustr I think that one where I just did an illustrative example. I, I didn't want to, like the one where Sanjit was going to get out a ruler. It was meant to just sort of describe the yeah the that one. Evolution, but, but I knew you get out a ruler. That was not public forecast guidance. The billion dollars is the number we put out there. But. Sure, but w within that though, uh, the components of that was five to ten percent. Um, not sorry, ten to fifteen percent ARR per MSP. Yes. And, Five to ten percent MSP growth. Yeah. So if I were to take those two variables together, that gives me fifteen and twenty-five percent. Yeah, twenty. Survive. Then you get right. You know, a range of twenty to twenty-five percent total revenue growth rate. You know, this this last quarter um, MSP growth, and this remember includes a quarter last year Q4 where we were negative with some some cleanup of financial um, uh, financial disconnects. In, in the MSP count. MSP count growth was, I think, about 6% mm -hmm. year over year. And ARR per MSP, I want to say, was up 13%. Mm -hmm. So both right in those ranges. Um, and, you know, that's that's what delivered our, uh, you know, 20% growth uh, in the quarter. Um, so, I, I mean, does that... Yeah, I guess the, the key question that I'm asking here is that should we be coupling the low end of both components together, or that's just simply uh, 
if one comes at the low end, is there some systemic way where the other comes in at the high end? Uh, that's, a, that's, a good, that's a good question. There is a little bit of a relationship there, obviously, right? And we've talked about if, if we have a below a quarter where um, we add a, a ton of MSPs, that ARR per MSP is actually could potentially come down in the quarter, right? Um, right. With a with a you know significant enough growth in the denominator, um, but so there is a little bit of a relationship there. But I, I, you know, we think those are good ranges, and you know, we didn't want to get much more uh, specific than that, but try to paint a picture of what the components are and how they contribute over the next few years to to drive that. Growth rate. Take the return to sustainable growth of 20 as sort of the headline number. We get as many MSPs as we can, mostly going for the future, and the ARR per MSP is sort of an output. You know, for the first time ever, I think we gave you all the drivers of those, and John's tracking that and you know, flying a plane with four or five controls, I guess. Sanjay more specifically go to market. We got one question in the back, but let's. I know you got a queue building. Yeah, maybe, maybe one, one from the virtual audience. This one's from Keith Bachman at uh, BML Capital Markets. It's, can you sustain 40% growth in user and endpoint security? And how do you think about competing against security vendors uh, in this in this segment? Uh, yeah, so there's a couple of dimensions there. So I, I won't make a forward-looking statement there. I'll repeat what I said, which is we're over 20% of the business now in in security. Um, those in, in the in the protect detect respond you know the outside of continuity recovery and that has been growing in the low 40 percent this year and that has accelerated not decelerated accelerated with scale um, I think we're heading into a couple of years of very exciting product releases uh, as attachments on the base SAS and base RMM so um, you know without making a forward-looking statement we're very optimistic in terms of what the opportunity there is there and our ability to win. Um, you know, when you think about against larger enterprise, I think both Sanjay and Bob kind of nailed that. You know, Dado's using something like 30 or 35 different enterprise security companies to protect ourselves. That's not something an MSP can process, right? Go back to that MSP-centric, purpose-built, uh, fits right into our platform. I've got Dado RMM. I can check this box and get ransomware detection. I can check this box and get the next thing I need and that XDR kind of spectrum. Uh, that's going to be very powerful. Oh, and it happens to be, you know, half the price of a big enterprise solution because it doesn't have to integrate into my other 45 enterprise tools. That's also pretty compelling, right? So, and I can earn a margin on it. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I, I, so, uh, you know, Keith, I would say it's a, it's a bit of an apples to oranges comparison. Um, what you're seeing MSPs deploy today is not often enterprise, uh, you know, higher-end technology. You're seeing people coming down market and doing more pure plays. Even Sentinel One on their call a couple of days ago talked about the channel, the channel, the channel. Right? It's uh, that's not necessarily the kind of a solution that you know Microsoft's going to choose internally or you know a large hospital complex. So I, I think everybody finds their level in the market, and we know why we win. And I, I hope you. Uh, you know, sort of got a better sense of that coming out of today. But anything else in that queue? I can see just looking over. You have six of them. Yeah, maybe just one more from uh, Joe Gallo at Jeffries. Um, can you give us a, a sense, John, of, of the shape of revenue growth between now and 2024? Do we expect it to be linear? <laughs> told you, told you you're going to get taking the rulers out. Yeah, yeah, yeah already. No. Taking, he's he's at home and he's printed it out. He got one the ruler out. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it's a it's a good question. Well. You know we're we're ramping to that kind of 20% growth, and and I think you know we've said that pretty clearly. And and given the model, I think it's you know it's slow to decline as we saw during COVID, and it's slow to 
to come back up, even as we're, you know, uh, have our foot on the gas of, of incremental ARR to, to drive it higher. So I think that's, that maybe is, is part of the answer that, uh, that they're looking for. All right, we have one in the yeah. back here. Needham. Um, more of a strategy question here, but if your TAM is growing at the 17% CAGR, and you guys have obviously proven out uh, your ability to grow these different cohorts, why would you not be um, investing more aggressively to acquire MSPs at a more aggressive rate? It, just curious on, because if that glide path is taking off the way that you guys yeah. demonstrated. Yeah, so it's a great question. Uh, you know, strategically, um, well, you know, the opposite of we play the long game is, you know, we don't call MSPs every day and say, buy something, join us. Buy, you know, I wouldn't call us aggressive on the sales side. And I don't know if it makes any difference. So our limiting factor is not cash. Our limiting factor is not headroom in the P&L. It's, you know, how fast can you get to new markets? How fast can you get staffed up? You know, how fast can you take good care of them? We, we have a stronger focus on quality. This is built brick by brick. You can't take $500 million and, and, and get 18,000 MSPs next year. I don't care who you are. You know, as I like to say, anywhere in the world an MSP is, we'll buy them a beer. And, uh, and, and that's, you know, sort of the way it works. So I think you're seeing us reaccelerating on that. And Sanjay sort of alluded to the fact, and, and John's, you know, numbers back up, that we will reaccelerate there. It's, we're certainly not anywhere near, you know, that 132,000 number. But uh, I, think, I think it's more of a people process assimilation. And, again, to make your revenue in a current year, it's mostly the current partners. So you have this sort of yin and yang um, of, of that, but uh, you know, we, we take your point, and we definitely want to grow yeah. faster. And maybe it ties back to uh, well, Sanjay know, talked about it, I think, a little bit on the earlier in, in his talk or the earlier panel, right? Where it's where you know it takes time. You're nurturing those MSPs, even the ones that are not in our ecosystem. Spending time takes them a while to get comfortable. They're maybe hearing from MSPs that are already uh, with Datto and and getting comfortable with with maybe trying a new product and. You know, as San, Sanjay said, then at some point they become ready, right? And that's when, you know, they add that new product um, and become part of the, the Datto fold. I've heard the word flywheel a couple times today. I'm thinking from physics that involves inertia to get the flywheel rolling and then this incredible long duration once yep. it gets in there. And that, that's something, you know, maybe strive for next analyst day to provide some more metrics on that. You know, some of these relationships just go back to the very beginning, 07, 08, when the company was founded. And then just, just one other question, if I could, on the growth algorithm to get you guys to this 20% plus. Uh, thank you for all the color on the, the products, but is it fair to assume that the expectation is continuity, PSA, and other, those mid-teens kind of growth kagers are, are something that we can sustain as we look out? Um, and then I guess the user and endpoint security would obviously ramp downward over time as the as the base of that business grows, but is that how we should be thinking about getting to that 20% plus yeah. over time? I wouldn't think that's necessarily obvious. That's one way to look at it. I think mm -hmm. it'll get you, you know, I was trying to offer four different perspectives and I'm just <laughs> doing a little mental math on that's one way to get to 20%. You know, Azure as a potential accelerant, you know, in continuity and just security as a potential accelerant, really strong, you know, can networking commerce start to break out. We've actually, as I said, accelerated bookings on the PSA side year to date, we've talked about that on our calls, and then, you know, I wouldn't automatically assume that you're gonna fade the growth on SAS and RMM. Those are today generating revenue from the base product, to be clear, right? We just launched SAS Defense six weeks ago, um, and, yeah. you know, product two, three, four, five start to come, uh, you know, so I don't know which of those, you know, was that five, five, six, seven cylinders in the engine 
all fire. You, you know, you make some, you, you miss others. We're trying to paint a picture that, you know, we don't have to hit all of them. If they all start firing up, you know, you're at 20 and you're looking north, try to accelerate from there. We're a competitive group. We don't have any sort of ceiling in mind, but let's, let's get there first. And, you know, sustainable is kind of that, that key word we wanted to stress. That's how we think about it is can we get sustainably there and, you know, and, and uh, that's what we wanted to portray a picture of. I think we're a little into overtime oh, here. We, are, we have time for time, one follow-up? Maybe or? time for one more. Okay. okay. See one more hand here. In the uh, room. Just uh, wanted to ask on, on gross churn, what, what you guys are seeing there coming out of the pandemic, and then also as you, you know, penetrate multiple products um, deeper into the MSP and, you know, partner base, do you see any appreciable difference in the gross churn on those partners that do, you know, sign up for two, three, four products versus the single product partners? Sure. Uh, a couple thoughts there. One, definitely uh, better churn this year than last year. You know, appreciable uh, improvement. Chris is here in the room. Uh, he and his team, you know, it's not just uh, financial churn, you know, better from COVID. It's a lot of work on his team with the success team and support team, you know, driving the improvement in the, in the partner experience. Um, but and we're continually, you know, on that, that you heard. Sanjay talked about retention. That was a whole section because it's very important for us. So we'll continue to, to focus on that to drive improvement in churn. Um, I think you also saw the, the big partners. Sanjay had a, a slide, I think a number that said 99% retention of plus. plus yeah, 99% plus retention of, uh, of the big partners uh, with high ARR. Generally, if they've got that much ARR, they have multiple products. And, and without a doubt, as, as, uh, as MSPs grow with us, as they add multiple products, it's almost by definition, right? They've become more comfortable with Datto as a partner. Um, that churn is going to be less. The churn is certainly higher with the, the young cohorts, right? So it's, you, you get some you know, new uh, partners in um, trying Datto, or maybe they, we've just added some partners in you know, it's we're sort of learning how viable they are, um, and they historically have been where the higher you see the higher churn. So, but dollar, that gets, so, so dollar size of the relationships probably as much the indicator because we are a revenue line to them that's versus right. like one, two, three products like you think about in consumer business or something. Yeah, that's that's something we could. But it's, it's, it gets a lot to what Sanjay also talked about qualifying those new MSP partners. It's, um, in the last year or two, he's put a lot of work into that, and that is also, I think, part of the reason why churn is coming down, because we're focused on adding the right partners at the beginning rather than one, you know, throwing it against the wall and hoping it sticks. Yeah, and that's a good place to end, actually. It ties back to the question over here on, you know, quantity of MSBs and how you ramp that up. You're looking to aim for that $36 billion. You're looking to expand that with your product sets and your markets. That's the end client market that you're ultimately in the sell-through model aiming for. And so I think quality of MSPs, their scale and their propensity to buy um, and sell data is really every bit as important as the, as the, the, the body count. The number of them. Of, yeah. of just MSPs. So we've hopefully shared a lot of new metrics today. You're probably a little all overwhelmed. But uh, I think we're, uh, we're at time in any normal world and get people onto trains and airplanes and other things. And uh, you want to just have me end it right here? All right. Well, thank you all. Uh, for coming. Thanks for the interest in Datto. It uh, seems like five minutes in a pandemic, but we have actually been public for just over a year, and, and yet I know we're, uh, we all know we're a pup in, uh, in, in a lifespan, and it's just another milestone for us, and we're thrilled to have you, uh, have you on the journey. So take care, and uh, I believe we have uh, 
some cocktail hour here for some in the room, and we can stick around for a few minutes. And uh, please, uh, please join us to say hello. Thank you. Thank you. True, not true. Okay. Okay. <laughs>